Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Gavin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, March 22nd. My watch is working today. Must have figured it out and fixed itself. Must be that new AI. It's a good thing. I don't know why I can't ever seem to remember what day it is, but I have to look at my watch every day to make sure I'm right. We are here live. It is a Destination Health Day. Lauren is here with me, and uh, we'll hear from Lauren here. Also, being joined by a very special returning guest, Autumn Smith from Paleo Valley. And of course, as always, we'll take your calls and questions. So line them up. We're opening those phone lines right now, 855-950-3835. Lauren, good morning. Good morning, Kevin. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. It's Destination Health Day. How's your morning going so far? It's going well. It is. I um, I have a nice matcha tea with some vitamin DK and just had a big breakfast with some sausage and eggs. And now I am ready to chat. Excellent. Mine, uh, mine's been a little slower this morning. I have been doing a lot <laughs> of gardening, and unfortunately, it affects my sleep. Uh-huh. Not in the way you would think it would. You would think that all that good activity uh-huh. and fresh air and would help me sleep. It it seems to do the opposite. It energizes me, and my sleep gets worse. And so I'm on. Uh, I'm on full full caffeine this morning. You know, part of it is just the, um, I think it's just the shock to the body. You know, I'm not very active during the winter at all. I've got to figure out a way to get more active in the wintertime. And then I go out there and I overdo it every time. So I was sore. I think even my little toes hurt the other day. Um, So that's part of it. But I'll I'll recover here in a second. Yeah, and I think people underestimate the amount of work that goes into gardening. I know we've been doing some just regular yard work, and Brian wakes up and he's like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sore!" And I'm like, "He's like, I have no idea why." You're tearing things around, mulching. <laughs> you move in ways, you know. I did a ton of planting, so you're down on your hands and knees and mm. crawling around, and oh, yeah, so. Yeah, it's good. Um, <laughs> this is the earliest I've ever been on the garden. Normally, we're still dealing with the Louisville mm. truck show. So most years, I'm not home yet. So this year to be home this Got early, uh, pretty incredible. Hey, why don't we, uh, instead of you and I just chatting, why don't we bring Autumn in? Great, let's do let's, it. Let's do that. Autumn, good yeah. morning. Good morning. Great Good to morning, have you Adam. back. Yes, I'm very excited to be here, and uh, I love this show. <laughs> well, well, great. We, we love having you here. So uh, you've got some things going on. It's been a while since we've talked to you. Give us an update. There's a lot going on in your world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, we have been very busy. Uh, Since I talked to you last, I think we've started two new companies, (laughs) one of which is, yeah, yeah, and we have another one on the way. (laughs) Oh, boy. Wow. I know. We're just 
super passionate about, you know, regenerative agriculture and helping people understand and most importantly, be able to access. So one of them was Wild Pastures, which is a meat delivery service that sources exclusively from America's regenerative farmers. And we can talk about why that matters. And the second one for anyone on the road in the Denver area is a burger restaurant called Wild Pastures Burger Company. And again, sourced exclusively from America's regenerative farmers. And we use tallow to make the French fries and there's gluten-free options and just all of those things. And so, so yeah. I, I got to tell do. you, oh, we need I, one of those. I got to tell you with the restaurant, I am really jealous because I really want to go. <laughs> Lisa has been. And, you know, Lisa and I traveled all over the country for, a, you know, almost three years full time in, in the coach doing the show and just, you know, wherever we wanted to live that week, that's where we lived. And we love food. So when we got to a new area, we would, you know, check out all the apps and find the top rated restaurant. We'd start with number one and go check it out. We, we've kind of kept a list of, you know, best burgers or best barbecue or whatever around the country. It's a pretty tough list to to make it to the top three, but your burger made it to the top three for Lisa. Oh, that just lights me up inside because we are so passionate about burgers too. And we are real foodies and we came from Southern California where there's just like this huge diversity and just a lot of really great food. And when we came to Colorado, we just didn't have the same options. And we thought, wow, Colorado is like a ranching state, you know, agriculture is so central. And so we wanted to bring kind of like the, you know, the house made sauces and the, you know, when it's regeneratively raised beef, it just, it tastes amazing. And just, we even have keto milkshakes, organic milkshakes that don't have any sugar. Yeah. They're actually considered keto. Yeah, so we're really, really excited. Um, I'm glad that Lisa loved it, too. I just hope next time that you guys will let us know you're around so that we can meet you there. We're there all the time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So what's the restaurant business like? Boy, you know, talk about a crazy time to get into the restaurant business. Um, How's it going? Um, What do you think? Well, it's funny because we came up with this idea during the pandemic, which was, you know, right before the pandemic hit, (laughs) of course. So, yeah, I know. And it was was interesting. Prior to the pandemic, actually, a lot of people, we were trying to get a spot in Boulder and they would turn us down. And so they wanted to put, Boulder has a very kind of vegetarian, vegan community ethos. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, they our concept wasn't as well received as some of the other ones, even though, even though that's a big misunderstanding, right? That, you know, some beef can be really great for the environment, but once that pandemic hit, people would call us back and say, Oh, Oh yeah, now we're ready. Okay. We really like your concept now. So it actually in that way worked for us, but it was a slow start as you might imagine. Yeah. But we have such like people like you, such a loyal following people who recognize, okay, what you're doing is very different. And we actually hosted, there was like an international team of restaurateurs that came over and, and kind of wanted to learn about exactly what we are doing um, in the agricultural space and why we were using tallow and why we were, you know, trying to reduce sugar and everything. So it seems like people who who get it really get it. And so it's doing beautifully now. But that's it was definitely awesome. slow start. Yeah, for sure. that's that's yeah. awesome. You know, Amazing. Lisa and I are both 
foodies. We've done, you know, some pretty big catering jobs over the years. We, we usually pick one or two catering jobs that we want to do a year. Just most of the time we don't even get paid for them. We usually do volunteer stuff that we just like the cause or whatever it is. And we're in a, a national scenic area. We're in the, the Columbia River Gorge. So we've talked about it, they could really use a good burger or barbecue place here. Like Oregon's kind of the right. whole state is kind of that vegan vibe. So finding good meat here is pretty difficult. Like good barbecue yeah. is almost unheard of here. And we keep kicking the idea around. And, you know, Lisa was a restaurant consultant for 20 years. Um, so both of us have a fairly big food background, but we just, right now, we just don't need one more project. Here's the other thing, and I'm sure you, you'll appreciate this now. Um, imagine trying to run a restaurant where part of the year in the summer, you are so slammed, you will never be able to keep up with it all. And in the winter, you, there are yeah. days you probably shouldn't even open your door. Right. It's yeah, just no, a really tough place. Yeah. 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 We've even, I hope you do it one day. You know what we've, <laughs> what but. we've talked about, there's some, some pretty prime real estate in town. We're a very, very small town too. We're a half mile wide. We're about two and a half miles mm -hmm. long. The river's right in front of us. There's a 3000 foot ridge line behind us. And because we're in a national scenic area, we can't grow an inch. So the town will never be any bigger than what it is. So it's just a, it's such wow. a unique kind of area. Um, you've got to figure out that whole, yeah, we've talked about buying some of that real estate and maybe turning it into like a, um, a food truck court with the food trucks, a little easier to handle those seasonal mm -hmm. swings, you know, where you can just park the truck for a while and people go do something else. So uh, we're still kicking around those ideas. Now, and now, you know, I think things are going to slow down. Real estate prices are are starting to drop. We just weren't willing to buy some of the real estate at the prices they wanted. Yeah, no, I understand that concern. Luckily, we have um, a very passionate investor who has a degree in food science. Oh, and, or, I'm sorry, environmental science. And he is just like so committed to the cause that we were, we were really lucky to come across him. But I understand if it were left up to us, it would probably be something very similar. It'd yeah. be um, very hard to do. On yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, restaurants have always been tough. Like I said, we, we have some experience in it. We know what that world's like, but once the, um, the pandemic hit, my God, that's a, that's a whole new world. It's almost like you got to rethink that whole model. Oh yeah. It has been, <laughs> and luckily we have some really great people who have far more experience in the restaurant industry than we ever did, who are navigating it beautifully. But yeah, you might, as you might imagine, there's a lot of challenges. So lot. that's big, yeah. and it's on my bucket list to make it there now. So that's going to happen. Um, you've got some new yeah. products too that are pretty exciting. Oh wow! Yeah, we have really. It's funny. During the pandemic, we had all of these, this creative energy and this fabulous like food science team. And we couldn't get them out because the supply chain was such a mess. Yeah. And so once the supply chain kind of mm. itself up, it just seems like we had like 10 new products. But yeah, I mean, 
for people who like bone broth, we have this amazing chocolate and vanilla bone broth, and we're working on some savory flavors to come with it. It's so delicious, and it's, you know, our bone broth is actually made from the bones, and so it's a great source of collagen, but also minerals that are in bones, so that's amazing. We also have new flavors of our bars, so we have a red velvet, we have a lemon, we have a pumpkin spice, we have our essential electrolytes. And there, the watermelon is amazing. And the cool thing about our electrolytes is the sea salt, or it's really high quality salt. And then it's coconut water and it's oh, nice. sea water. And yeah. so mm. all natural ingredients that come together and a really significant amount of magnesium too. We have fish roe. So instead of taking like a fish oil, which is more extracted and isolated, we have fish eggs, fish roe product too. And I mean, we just have so many, we have several flavors of our super greens powder. We have a tropical uh, flavor. We have an unflavored version. Yeah. I'm, there, and then we have wow. a superfood gold milk too. There's oh, a, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, there's another one you're missing. I keep waiting for my favorite, the pork sticks. <laughs> oh my God. The, the pork, pork sticks. sticks. The maple. Yes. Pork they're amazing yes they are it's like our we wanted to create a breakfast version kind of like a yeah like it's like a maple pork stick and it is so delicious and still you know very very much on the low carb train and so no i'm so glad you like those those are one of my absolute favorites too absolutely yeah yeah, you know you you (laughs) said maple but you left something out what is it? Bacon. They're maple bacon pork sticks. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, maple bacon. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I see yeah. where your priorities are, and I That's don't right. blame you. I get it. Yes, <laughs> yes. Maple bacon, you're right. They are, I'm telling you, they're amazing. They are my favorite. Absolutely. Yeah. Y- you know what I really like uh, about them? We also them? have way too. Oh. I, I, they're, oh, yes. Go ahead, sorry. The, the fattiness of them. That that pork fattiness, I just love that. And in these sticks, it's just so, it's just right there. It's really good. Yeah, and the way, you know, we do that, the reason our sticks are different is because of the fermentation process rather than, you know, um, typical preservatives and that jerky feel where it's kind of like chewy. It has a nice snap to it. And yeah, it does retain you know, that fattiness and it's, it has a very different mouthfeel. A lot of people say it's kind of like kielbasas or um, a hickory smoked summer sausage rather than jerky, which most people think of. Yeah. It's very tender, even more so than the the beef sticks and the beef sticks for a, for a stick are really tender, the pork even more so. And I think it's that, that fat content that makes it so good. Yeah. You know, speaking of fermentation, we're, we're, big on fermentation here. We have a new project that I've got to get figured out. We may end up with our our first product out of this idea. Um, Fermented hot honey. Ooh, that sounds amazing. Tell me about hot honey. So I kept seeing this hot honey around. There's this Nashville hot chicken thing where they would do fried chicken and they just serve it with a a spicy honey. So what they do is they just take honey and they Mm -hmm. infuse it with chili powder, usually of some kind, you know, different heat levels. And it tastes exactly what you would think, like honey with some heat in it. 
So I started seeing it at yeah. this Nashville hot chicken. Then there's this trend now. People are drizzling it on pizza. They're putting hot honey on pizza. So I had been watching that, not really paying a whole lot of attention to it. And then at the end of last gardening season, I ended up with, speaking of regenerative, I've really been into the whole gardening thing. And, um, you know, Joel Salatin's been on the show a ton of times. And um, I read Gabe Mm. Brown's book, Dirt to Soil, and I've been working. the, The whole soil regenerative thing is just fascinating to me. Um, so I've been working on that. What a difference it makes. I ended up with 75 pounds of hot peppers. My plants were producing like crazy. And I had all these different varieties that I was trying. And I, I, I'm like, what am I going to do with 75 pounds of hot peppers? I mean, they're, what do you do with all that? I, so I just, I was looking around for ideas and I saw where they were fermenting garlic in honey. And I thought, mm. oh, why couldn't I do that with the peppers? So I tried it. Mm. I chopped up hot peppers and I put them in honey. And the most incredible thing happened. It, within like 48 hours, it pulls all the water out of the peppers and the honey becomes pourable. Mm. I mean, it becomes really thin and pourable. Most of the sweetness disappears with, between the heat and it, mm. it is heavily fermenting. Um, so much so I had a major explosion in my pantry. It took me eight hours to clean my pantry <laughs> because I had a bottle explode. Uh, the fermentation pressure was so high. Um, but it, it gets these wow. incredible flavors that I've never tasted before. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I want to it, uh, try that. It is as soon as possible. <laughs> so easy. I really just that now you have to use raw honey. <laughs> the raw honey has bacteria in it already, and I, I've learned a lot. Honey itself won't ferment because there's not enough water in it. You can just take regular Ooh. honey, add enough water to it, and leave it out on the counter, and it will ferment on its own. The bacteria is already in there. So using wow. the peppers. Wow. And, and uh, I'm experimenting with other things as well. Are you familiar with fire cider? No, I'm not. Tell me about it. So in the natural health world, it's this, they take all of these um, like garlic and horseradish and turmeric and hot peppers, and they infuse it into apple cider vinegar. And, and they let it sit for like three mm. or four months and then they'll they'll do it like in shots as like a, an immune tonic kind of thing. So been around for, I don't know, for as long as I've been doing the, the natural health thing. And I got thinking, well, and it's really harsh. I mean, you could imagine apple cider vinegar itself is pretty harsh. Yeah. You start putting garlic and turmeric and horseradish and hot peppers in there. And it, it is pretty potent stuff. I mean, I think it takes the nose hairs out as you're drinking it. But so I, I took that same concept and I infused all of those things into Manuka honey for an immune tonic. Amazing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I hope you do bring that product to market. We're I trying. will be one of your customers. For yeah, sure. we're, we're trying the whole fermentate. The whole fermented thing is kind of weird. The FDA treats fermented products kind of strange, I think. Yeah. 
it was it was definitely more difficult and even more difficult to just find someone willing to do it for us because yeah, right. it's a more laborious process. Yeah. So mm-hmm. no, I get all of that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, typically we just found one person who was willing to help us and I mean obviously you will eventually need that too, but you can you can do it. I believe in you. Yeah, and, and <laughs> I hope you do it. Yeah, that's where we are. I have to find the time to go find that partner. because um, we're running into the same yeah. thing. Co packers like fermented honey what are you talking about i mean as far as i know the product doesn't exist anywhere you know what and i had to call i bet 200 different places in order to find the one okay i know everyone's like why would you do that like you don't even have to label the ingredient no one's gonna know you use it we're like ah you know, our priorities help. I so, know. No, you'll, I, I think today it's exploding. If you go to Expo West, do you ever do that? We were just there. Oh, okay. And you didn't find anyone that could help you there. That surprises me. Uh, you know, we were, we had planned this trip before I ever even had the idea for this product. So we were more looking for products for the store. I didn't, it was our first time at the show. I didn't realize there were going to be that many vendors like packaging and and co-packers. And I did talk to a couple co-packers that may may be a lead, but like you said, it might take a hundred or 200. So the more I have on my list, I guess the better my shot is. (laughs) Yep, it's a slow burn. It's called two a day. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. You'll find someone. You know, the other interesting thing, and I, I never really thought about this, um, I didn't realize how rare organic honey is. Yeah, And it, it, is. it never dawned on me, it's so hard to certify a, a honey source as organic because you can't control where the bees are going. I was going to say, wow, I never thought about that. I didn't so either. True. So, you know, yeah, of course, that's, if, that's, if we're going to do this, we wanted to use organic honey. And then I thought, wait a minute, I don't even pay attention to if honey's really organic when I'm buying it. I, I assumed that it was when you're getting, you know, this small batch yeah. local stuff. And then I realized, well, wait a minute, I, I don't I don't think it is. And then I, I was talking to a supplier and they said, if you want organic honey at, at a price you can afford, there is some in the U.S., but I guess it's outrageous. Um, they said the best organic honey is sourced from South America. They The bees are out in the middle of the rainforest somewhere, so um, it, it's, you know, just organic by nature, the way it should be, I guess. But uh, yeah. you, you have to get so far <laughs> away from where there's any kind of human activity because all it takes is, you know, one person spraying insecticides on their bushes and you're not organic anymore. Wow. Isn't that, that's so challenging and so sad, right? That it's so hard Yeah. in today's day and age to find. Yeah. No, I understand. We had the same thing when we were kind of sourcing our um, beef, you know, in the very beginning and with regenerative farmers. And a lot of times organic certification is simply just unaffordable for people, right? Too, even when it's, possible and so yeah no we understand those challenges well um, so and good we, luck yeah, well, thank <laughs> you thank you i may call for some <laughs> advice at some point who knows please do please do yeah we're always here for you yeah we've had all the challenges you know that <laughs> yeah yeah so 
Speaking of regenerative farming, do you think people are are understanding what that word really means? Do you, I, I get the feeling that we've we've hijacked language so much around food. You know, words like natural mean absolutely nothing. Organic really isn't what a lot of people really think it is. Regenerative is a whole new level. Do you think people are understanding that? No, I don't. I know. And I go to the store and like you said, there's there's no regulation around it yet, really. And so people are just putting in their chips, you know, regeneratively raised potato chips or whatever. And and so just to kind of like back up for a second, first, I'm working on a docuseries called Rethink Meat and you will be able to meet all of these regenerative farmers. We said like Gabe Brown and Will Harris and a lot of the people that we're actually working with. So you can get a really good sense there. But essentially... In my mind, it's there's like three types of agriculture happening today. There's conventional, right, where fertilizers, pesticides, we're just using all the tools that we've been kind of starting to become dependent on because our soil quality is dwindling, right? You know, and we're in the middle of the second dust bowl. A lot of people don't realize that, but because of what we've done to the soil, um, we are literally in, in the second dust bowl. And the second is organic or sustainable. So a lot of people will say, I you know, want to find something that's sustainable or sustain, support sustainable agriculture. But the truth is about that, that we are at a point in history where our soil is so degraded that we can't sustain this and expect to reestablish a really high quality, nutrient-dense food supply and, and sequester carbon the way that regenerative agriculture can do. And what's really surprising about that is some organic agriculture would even be considered sustainable because it's not always making the land better right. because of tillage. Tillage is a very destructive force, right, in organic agriculture. But then we have regenerative, which is the third type. And regenerative is different because its goal is to reestablish the health of the soil biology and to bring the land wherever it starts to a higher or more worthy state to just rehabilitate it. And that's exactly what we need moving forward, like I said, because the levels of nutrients in our food are the lowest they've ever been. And we have, you know, different environmental issues. We have more flooding, more fires, more drought. And all of these actually, even though most people don't understand it, are tied to the soil. And so, yes, right now people are kind of bastardizing the term regenerative because there's not a lot of regulation around it. But at its heart, it's just making the soil better. I, I love that. And reestablishing the special. Yeah, I love that yeah. explanation. It, it, it's another way to look at it. it. These truly regenerative farms have very, very few inputs. You know, I remember talking to Joel Salatin and really about all they bring into the farm is some a, a small amount of supplemental chicken feed in the wintertime. Other than that, the farm generates everything it needs to continue operating. It generates itself. Yes, I think this is one of the ma major misconceptions that I hope to help people understand is a lot of people can get behind regenerative crop, you know, plants, agriculture, but those inputs from animals, 50% of the fertilizer used worldwide is manure, right? And so right. when we have these animals on the land and we're moving them in a highly managed system, right, that 
they're, you know, pooping and peeing and actually their action of chewing is helping stimulate grass growth and sequester carbon and their hooves are creating right. little divots where water can pool and they're breaking down that matter so that it can be then brought into the soil. And so, yes, when you have animals and you're using them properly and even when you become a more diversified operation, right, when then, then you get sheep and then you get broilers and you have chickens and mm-hmm. yes, this it operates in a way that creating that explosion of life is beneath the soil creates more plants, creates more animals. And then, you know, like birds come back. The Audubon Society is now a big supporter of regenerative agriculture and very little is required. And, and that's the best part about it because right now we're at a time in history where the farmers receive the smallest portion percentage of the dollar that they ever have, right? And their margins are just razor thin because they're required, they're in this system where they need all these external inputs. But if we can teach them, right, and help them transition and create a demand for regenerative agriculture, this works with nature. This restores the cycles of nature instead of the opposite where we're just putting Band-Aids on and kind of making the farmers accountable to these larger corporations, which I think is is a huge, huge problem. Yeah. You know, you probably have great insight into this so you know when the pandemic hit and we started hearing about meat factories being shut down they got hit really hard Uh, we had one here in Oregon that um, we didn't have a lot of cases in Oregon our numbers were pretty low uh, except for these couple of hot spots with these meat you know processing plants and um, oh where was I going with that thought uh I had a thought. Then I got sidetracked. Maybe like the sovereignty piece and um, consolidation. Um, uh, No, I was thinking about uh, what changed with this when COVID hit. Um, I don't know where I was going with that thought. I've got another one. I'll probably, it'll come back to me. I didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night, I can tell. Um, The... (laughs) The, the the soil thing. So my neighbors are starting to refer to my garden as a mini farm. I bought a buildable lot next to me and turned the whole thing into a garden. So now I have the upper garden and the lower garden. But I'm just blown away by the dirt where I am is horrid. It is dry and crumbly and big rocks and getting, you know, just clearing the rocks was a huge job. And then you look at this dirt, you look at it like nothing is going to grow in this. So I did have to bring in some um, garden soil, but then I really started working on it. And one of the handicaps is, like you were mentioning, animals are a big part of the whole regenerative thing. So my goal, could I do this in a could I make a regenerative garden without the animals? How how far could I go and get to where I have very few inputs or could I get to where I have none? So I recover all my own seeds so I don't have to buy any seeds. I do a ton of composting. And then I discovered cover crops yeah. and something called green manure. And what a, what a difference. I, you know, I rotate planting a fall cover crop and a spring cover crop in different areas. I've never seen soil transform so fast from that process. Isn't it amazing? And have you read, uh, what is it, um, Dr. Montgomery's book? 
No. And what my food eats, I believe, oh, he did the same thing. And I think they're in the Pacific Northwest, just like you are. Um, Anne Gilke and Dr. David Montgomery, you should definitely check out their books because they, they're talking about exactly what you're talking about, having gardens and, you know, using compost and green manure. And a lot of the residential farmers I talk about or talk to actually say that, yeah, you can rehabilitate soil for sure and create a healthy ecosystem. Even in the absence of animals, it just takes a lot longer and it's a lot harder. But you can yeah. still do it. And I love that it, you're using cover crops. So. You know, you talked yeah. about the other, you know, activity beneath the soil. And, and one of the things I learned, I was just shocked. Like I said, I brought in a, a, a garden blend of soil. I mean, like super high quality. It's a local nursery here. It's got everything you would want in there. Mushroom, compost, manure, everything. The first year I put it in beds, it will hardly grow anything at all. It, it's just shocking. You look at the soil and you think it looks really good. Why isn't anything growing? And it's, you know, you talked about tilling and disturbing the soil. And, and this is, it, it's not alive anymore. I mean, it, it's got some life in it, but it needs time to build that infrastructure underneath. And, um, you know, I, I'm noticing worms like crazy. I have worms everywhere. Um, I have tons of fungi, you know, mushrooms just pop up all over the place. It, it's incredible. Once you start to improve that, and uh, bees everywhere now. I bring in uh, both carpenter, or, um, yeah, uh, leaf cutter and, and um, carpenter bee. No, not carpenter bees. Um, leaf cutter, there's another one I bring, mason bees early in the spring. In fact, I need to be ordering some mason bees right now. But it's just incredible how the entire environment changes when you change that soil. Isn't that crazy? I know a lot of people are focused on carbon, you know, like the sequestration of carbon as the main benefit of regenerative agriculture. But what you're saying is restoring biodiversity is something I think that's even more important because we're the first species that's really come in and tried to make things simple, tried to bring nature down to this place where we're only growing one thing and, and essentially working against nature. But, but like you're saying, when you just reestablish these cycles, biodiversity comes back, resilience comes back, and the health of the soil. A lot of people don't understand when you have healthy soil that that soil holds water differently. So these droughts and these floods and these wildfires that we're having are not necessarily a symptom of not having enough water. It's, it's the broken soil biology that's not able to retain that water. And so there are so many benefits for regenerative agriculture. One of my favorite farmers always says, it's kind of like nature is a horse behind a gate and she just wants to get out, but we have to let her. Get, yeah. We have to get out yeah. of her way so that they can go about doing what they do best. And that's just reestablishing this biodiversity and resilience and just healthy ecosystem. So I love that you're gardening. That's my next phase. Once we get all these businesses under control, <laughs> I'm going to become a gardener. <laughs> you better yeah, make, make sure you have plenty of time. I am just shocked at how much time I can spend out there. Oh, and I don't because I'm a seven-year-old too, but yes. And that's why I'm so, so grateful, right, to all the farmers and the people who are doing this every single day 
to just um, ensure that we all have food in a healthy environment. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. You know, you talked about how rare truly regenerative farming is, and I don't think a lot of people understand it. Here's mm-hmm. an example of how rare it is. We brought in a new product, a, a nut butter, um, walnut. And the, the farm we we're getting this from is the only regenerative walnut farm in the world. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's insane. Where is it located? I'm curious. Um, it's in California. I just looked it up because we were down at Expo mm-hmm. West and we mm-hmm. drove down and we drove back and we were thinking, you know what? I think they were somewhere too close to the area that was just getting pounded with all that wind and rain. We were traveling through as California was just getting pounded. I just, I can't remember. It's a small town. Just can't remember the name of it. Um, but just, uh, again, just, a, you know, another incredible story. But when I heard they were the only walnut farm in the world that was truly regenerative, I thought, is it really that rare? Well, yeah. I mean, you know how hard it is to find farmers um, who are doing things this way because you, you have to turn against the conventional system. And not only that, um, they a lot of them report that, you know, their neighbors think they're crazy, but also mm-hmm. they're removing themselves from, you know, subsidies and support and, mm-hmm. you know, and they, their products cost more. And so what happened was a lot of them didn't want to take these risks unless they could absolutely be sure that people, consumers, a demand would meet them on the other side. And that's why we saw such a uh, opportunity to just connect farmers and let them do what they do best to the people who actually appreciate it and were looking for this. Because otherwise, you know, they're just kind of standing still. It's too big a risk and a lot of them wouldn't be able to take it. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. You know, I watched, uh, you know, oh, go ahead, Lauren. You know, another thing, I was going to say another thing about the the soil and how important it is to have all those, you know, that different biology in there and it's, it's living, it's a, you know, it's a living organism is when I went to a Savory Institute conference, um, mm. they explained it as the microbiome, you know, it's, it's very mm-hmm. similar to our microbiome of our gut. It's, it's a bunch of bacteria, it's alive, it's living, it's breathing, it's and it's part of the cycle. And then when they looked at the microbiome of a cow, they realized a lot of those microbes from the soil are then living within the cow. And then, you know, in turn, they move to us. So it's, it's just this full cycle that we don't really acknowledge. And I think, I'm hoping that in the future, that more that we study the microbiome and we know the importance of our health is really dictated by the health of our gut, that we'll see the same with the soil, really. I think they're the same, right? I, I do. Mm-hmm. And, and Dr. Montgomery also wrote a book on that very topic, saying that microbiome in the soil essentially digests the nutrients for the plants. It is, like you're saying, that microbiome. And then those bacteria and microorganisms are reflected in the guts of the cows and, you know, therefore, you know, are influencing the quality of their product and then influencing, you know, our, the, our health. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I just, I think to to somehow believe we can destroy our environment and maintain human health. I think it, mm. it's too short sighted and it's entirely accurate because we are nature. We are one with nature. And when we restore soil, we restore the voice, the health of the whole planet and humans. I, I sincerely believe that. You know, what's interesting Agreed. in my, uh, 
in my garden, there are no chemicals or fertilizers or, but what I do use a lot of now uh, is bacteria. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, treating yeah. seeds and, uh, you know, I treat all of, uh, all the legumes, peas, beans, all that get treated because it's actually bacteria that, you know, we talk about beans and, and peas being able to fix nitrogen and they, they really do improve the soil, but it's, it's not the bean or the pea that's doing that. It's a bacteria. And, and when you treat those yeah. seeds with more of that bacteria, then the plant gets even better at doing that. And the plants get big and healthy. And that was the first bacteria I used was on legumes, but I, I bet I have six or seven different strains of bacteria that I use around the garden for different things. It's amazing. And Dave Brown told me himself, he, when he studied agriculture, that they, people learning about soil in college, you know, didn't learn about the soil biology because nobody understood how important it was. They learned about the chemistry when you're missing, you know, nitrogen or, you know, here's how you fix the soil chemistry. Exactly. But yeah, and those bacteria and the fungi, they also make, you know, from the rocks, they take the minerals and then there's this exchange when through photosynthesis, right? The plants are pumping down some of the carbohydrates they're creating and then they're feeding these little bacteria and fungi. And then those, as an exchange, they make the nutrients in the soil available to the plant. And so, yeah, the bacteria are the key, right? In our guts and in our soil. Yeah. And when we use there's that kill it, yeah, exactly. We are ultimately killing ourselves and killing, you know, our food supply. Have you, I love that you recognize that. Have you read the book Mycelium Running? No, tell me about it though. It sounds amazing. It's, it's all about <laughs> fungi. It is incredible. The, the, depth of knowledge this the the author has on this topic and they they've been using fungi for all kinds of crazy stuff and and now i mean even like cleaning up chemical spills they they found uses yeah. of of fungi and bacteria and, and things that that are clean and chemical spills obviously we're we're a little more concerned about them now than we were um, and we need to be, we need to be concerned with all the chemicals in our environment, but um, just so many incredible uses, but the, the explanations of, of how the whole world of fungi exists, and it was just a really interesting book. Yeah, and you know what else is really cool? I know that most people are concerned with um, methane release from cattle and ruminants. But when we have healthy soil biology, there's actually bacteria in the soil that can come and consume that methane yeah. when it's involved yeah. in a healthy cycle, right? So yeah, it, it, nature works for us and with us when we allow it to. So I ordered that book right now. I'm going to order that. That sounds fascinating. <laughs> Good. Good. As am I. We'll, yeah, Paul Stamets is amazing. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get you back and we can talk about it because it really is an interesting book. So one more, one thing I want to cover, you've been in this whole natural health thing for quite a while now. Have you seen the, the pattern? You know, we, if, if we go back and it's even in your company name, um, the paleo movement was really kind of the first movement in this direction, right? Kind of the hunter-gatherer paleo 
movement and we talked a lot about paleo and um, it helped a lot of people, no doubt about it. We were primarily, you know, working with people with a, a paleo based diet in the beginning. And then we realized, um, especially with our crowd, I mean, diabetes was rampant, the metabolic syndrome was um, almost double the the numbers for truck drivers almost double than the general population. We realized we needed something more. And, you know, we developed nutrient dense keto where we stuck with a paleo based list of foods, but went very, very low carb, you know, to to get into ketosis. And it worked really well. And and there, there was, I think, a you know, keto obviously became very popular a lot of practitioners, you know, went from, say, paleo to lower carb paleo because they realized the carbs were causing a lot of problems. Then we went all the way to keto. And the, I, I still remember the first time I heard the carnivore diet. I thought, OK, you've just gone too far now. Um, but I, I, don't th- <laughs> I don't think we have. I, we have we now have developed. Uh, a, a second diet that we promote, kind of, we consider it ours. And it's really, we're calling it fermented carnivore. I'm not done with it yet, but I, I really Ooh. am seeing pretty incredible results from sticking to a very animal heavy diet and then fermenting everything we can ferment. Like your your beef sticks and pork sticks are fermented. We're fermenting honey and, you know, we ferment a lot of vegetables and I'm fermenting um I don't know what I'm going to call these things like flavor pastes for cooking. So uh, hot peppers, again, these same hot peppers, after I take them out of the honey, I can turn that hot pepper into a mash and it's fermented. So Mm. it lasts. I, I think I have a jar in the refrigerator. It's like a year old still is fantastic. But I started doing that. I make a garlic paste, um, a ginger paste, Mm. You know, a lot of these like flavors that, you know, it's hard to keep fresh ginger around. I don't use it that often. And I know you can freeze it, but I really find these fermented pastes for flavoring while you're cooking are just really incredible. That sounds amazing. And I think my husband would be your best friend and customer. And that is exactly the approach that he does. He's noticed he does not do well with a lot of vegetables. In fact, it's funny, but it gives him tooth pain. You know, that's, uh, it, that's his prominent it, symptom. Wow. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, yeah, it's weird. We've noticed that. And yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just wondering because we're doing a mini series with uh, Sally K. Norton on oxalates. And we, yes. we just went through, we did this thing where we started, I started at the top of somebody's head And I said, all right, Sally, tell me how oxalates are affecting this. And we went from the top of our head down to our toenails. And it is shocking how many parts of the body are affected by oxalate overload. And it might, teeth and the mouth was was heavily impacted. And that is something I've often suspected for my husband, for sure, is oxalate issues. I think it's probably a main part of it. But then you have me too, where... I do really well with a lot of um, fruits and vegetables and I always have. And I, I think that most of it is a symptom of, you know, what we were talking about earlier. A lot of people have gut function that's yeah, right. not exactly optimal. 
happens, yeah, fiber and plant foods, you know, they become a lot harder to digest and to work with. And those anti-nutrients interfere with absorption of minerals and stuff. And if you already have some lingering health issues or gut issues, that's going to be, you know, exacerbated. So, yeah, no, I think there are certain populations for whom this is a very important diet. And I love that you're throwing the fermented veggies and other foods in there because there are synergistic effects, right? We know that if there's burnt meat, for example, the compounds in vegetables can kind of negate the negative impact of that. Um, and so, and I think for me, an ideal is a, like you're saying, a low carb paleo, you know, diet, but that's not to say there isn't value in the carnivore movement for people who kind of need to rehabilitate their gut function. I've seen it be very powerful and I've spoken to, you know, Judy Cho and a lot of other big people in the carnivore movement. And I, I, sometimes I even do a carnivore reset myself when I go away for the holidays and my eating gets a little out of control and I need to come back and like get my appetite to become regulated again. So no, I love that you're promoting that. I think, I think that's genius. And I think there's a lot of people that will really, really help. You know, that that's kind of how I came across this as well. I started realizing if I was getting ready for an event or a speaking engagement, I would tend to, and in the beginning I would go really kind of hardcore keto because I would feel so much better and I would perform better and my brain felt better. And now I tend to go just really heavy carnivore. And that's when I started thinking, maybe this is just better for me. And now here I have this huge garden and I'm eating carnivore and my neighbors <laughs> walk by and they always want to talk and they come in the garden and we get talking about health and they're like, wait, wait a minute, carnivore, you only eat meat? What's with the garden? But I've been really <laughs> selective and picky about, you know, what types of vegetables, I low in oxalates, low in phytates. I've done a lot of research. I've even found that different varieties of the same vegetable have wildly different amounts of some of these things. So I've even found yes. like low oxalate, you know, sweet potatoes. They're not super low, but there are mm -hmm. varieties of sweet potatoes that are lower than, you know, the conventional sweet potato you find in the grocery store. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And that, you know, even just depending on how they're grown, you know, right. things vary right. uh, as well in them. Too, but no, yeah, I think that's a great, a great approach and one that I am definitely using myself. So um, ideally, I think that we hopefully restore that function. Uh, but yeah, for, that won't always necessarily happen quickly for everyone. And my husband eats exactly like you do. And, and it really, really works for him. Good. Good. Hey, I want to I want to take you kind of to a flashback here to your former life. Um, what do you think of all the uh, celebrities in the Ozempic kick? Oh, good. Right? Yeah. Is this you know insane? What? I think it's scary. Yeah, I think it's a little scary. Especially, I just, I'm someone who, you know, I understand medications, pharmaceuticals, they have a time and a place, but I always think, you know, any, like, for instance, I have someone I love very much who's in the hospital, right? And we're using, had to use steroids for a while, right? And then he keeps getting infections and his blood sugar's out of control and it's feeding kind of a yeast. So there's one symptom that it works for and then it kind of creates all these other symptoms yeah. because, you know, yeah. our body is this integrated holistic system. It's really scary to me ultimately because I think 
if, if we knew how to just reclaim health, like a lot of your listeners do, right? Eating whole foods, some variation of plants to animal foods, some ratio that works for you. Um, it doesn't need to be that hard and we don't need to take things like this. I think it's, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about it for sure. What about well, you? I'm really worried about it. I read another article today. I, I mean, I, I scroll a ton of headlines every day, just what I do. And it seems to be two or three a day about this one topic. And I, I was a little shocked that when I read today, um, I don't know if these writers are just lazy or what, but the the whole theme of one of the articles I read today was um, that people should only be doing this short term, that this was never designed, but they haven't done a whole lot of reading because there's a ton of reports that as soon as you quit this, the weight comes roaring back. Right. Yeah. It's a Band-Aid. It's, it, it's a Band-Aid that doesn't, you know, that symptoms. It doesn't, yeah, that's what worries me too. So you, you've worked with people like this. One of the things we could say about, you know, being unhealthy or overweight or, um, you know, our modern lifestyle is a big part of it. You know, we grab fast food everywhere. We eat on the run. We work too much. We, you know, we don't get outside in nature enough. And, and you know, you talk to a lot of people and they're like, look, I'm, I'm with inflation, I'm barely getting by. I can't work any less. That group of people, if there's yeah. anybody that has all the advantages to be healthy, it would be them. They have lots of money. Most of the time, they have lots of time. They can hire trainers and chefs, and, and yet instead they just grab a toxic pharmaceutical? Yeah, I know, right? And I think it's, it's funny because once you get to know these people, and yes, there are all of those luxuries, and advantages, but a lot of them are just still people, yeah, right? I, yeah, With family, toxic family right. dynamics, you yeah. know, and just a lot of the same stressors. And, and, and then you have to factor in the pressure, right? Because everywhere we go, like we, you know, fall off the wagon or whatever, gain weight, or we're not going to be in the tabloids. They're not going to be making fun of us and trying to take bad pictures of us. And so I kind of, I think it's dangerous and I think it's short-sighted, but I, when you see the pressure that these people put on themselves and the, the, the media and the, the culture expects them to be a certain way. And hopefully, you know, a lot of us are understanding uh, that that's not fair and that's not a great reality anyway. But, but for them, it's, it, the pressure, I think, is, is real. And I think it's, um, it just demonstrates how backwards our culture is, our priorities. And um, I wish that we could get back to just prioritizing health and wellness rather than the way we look and our weight. I mean, that it, is a symptom of that culture. Yeah, you know, the, the part of the things kind of driving me crazy that, you know, issues like that where they're, they're and these are celebrities, people look up to them and ascribe to them powers they don't necessarily have. They're good at, yeah. we know they're good at one thing. They're good at acting. That's why they're celebrities. We don't know anything else about them based on that. And clearly some of them are a little whacked out. I mean, it's, um, and yet people will do this because celebrities are doing it. That's the bigger problem I have with it is that they do have a lot of influence. The article today actually was talking about the fact that 
you know, people looking at celebrities for trends or whatever, um, the trend in the last, I don't know how long it's been going on, was the whole big butt, big hips, tiny waist, so they're doing implants. And, and now all of a sudden, those same women are showing up skinnier and thinner and, and everybody's like, well, what happened? What's, what's with this trend now? And they're doing it with these drugs. Just awful. I know. No, I'm really, really sad for this generation. And and, and then you put on top of that these filters that are oh, coming out, yeah. right? On <laughs> yeah. It's, I know. I just, I am so sad and worried for our young people, right? Yeah. Who are getting these messages uh, that hey. beauty, the way they're supposed to look, is just painful. I do have good news about that, yeah. about, the, you know, the younger generation. I was out in my garden this weekend, and again, this is the earliest I've ever been out there. Um, and a young man, probably early 20s, walked over from across the street. They were having a gathering over there. And I could tell at first he was real kind of timid as he was walking up, and he introduced himself, and he said, I, I just had to come over here and see your garden. And it, the way he said it, I, it I, I looked at him and I said, well, welcome. You know, look, if you have any questions. And we got talking. Um, just a in, really interesting uh, young guy. He was adopted. He was telling me kind of his family story. And um, the mother that adopted him, he lived on a farm. He grew up on a farm. And he said he didn't understand it at the time. And it was a lot of work. And he had to do all the chores. And um, but now he really, really wants to get back into farming. He said he, he loved it. He felt good. Um, he liked that whole lifestyle. So, I mean, I spent probably two hours walking him around the garden and, and talking to him about stuff. So it was really encouraging to see somebody that age so into, you know, wanting to get back to the farming. No, I love that too. Yeah, I know that this regenerative model too specifically it provides a lot of hope because they can make more money right and they're right. actively participating in restores health for everyone and and i've had a lot of my friends from montana reach out too who used to think what i was doing or promoting was crazy and they're saying <laughs> oh no we want to get involved because everyone wins yeah, right? i know, generative I agriculture, know. Everyone and in professional ag it's it hasn't always been that way. So no, that's exciting to me too. And I've seen the same trend. Yeah. One of the the projects I've got on my list, not that I need more projects. I need to start finishing some. Um, <laughs> I, I live in a really small, I said a small town. And then we, we've got a small HOA. We're kind of up here on top of the hill. And we don't charge much for the HOA. Um, when we first moved here, uh, Lisa and I kind of got appointed um, and at the time, there's only like eight houses, I think. So it, it really wasn't that big of a deal. But we ended up running the HOA for about seven or eight years. And then Lisa did it for a couple of years after I quit. Um, we don't charge much. We, we don't really have a lot of amenities. We don't want a lot. It's more of a kind of a natural, wild kind of area. But we have these open pieces of land. You, you have to. HOAs have to keep a percentage of land owned by the HOA, and they're nothing but an expense. I mean, you have to take care of them. We have to pay a landscaper. You know, if there's, some of them are kind of like grass, and then, you know, they want to be using chemicals to kill weeds. And one of the projects I, I would love 
to find some time for, I would love to take a big part of that land and I would take a, a year to improve the soil because now I know how. And you can make incredible improvements in a full year. You know, you have a couple different growing seasons there for cover crops and you'd be doing some composting. And then what I'd like to do is run a program. I actually found this really interesting book that talks about all of the most profitable things to grow for farmers markets. Not not like really big operations, but like, a you know, just smaller operation where you would sell only at farmers markets. And they went through all the economics of it. You know, these products sell really well. They have really good margins. And I got thinking about that. I'd love to run a little program where the kids in the neighborhood could volunteer and sign up and work the the land, work the, the garden, and then also work the farmer's markets. And I would just teach them all this stuff and kind of manage it all. And then I would we would take the money and, you know, use it for the volunteers. Maybe we help them start their own little garden or whatever. There's all kinds of ideas. I just love to find the time. Oh, I just hope you do that. I remember when I lived in Los Angeles, we were, I was involved in a program where we taught kids in schools in lower income areas, how to garden and just the excitement that it brought them and the knowledge. And I just think it, um, it not only is good while you're doing it, but also instills the value of whole foods and understanding where your food comes from. I, I, I mean, you have so many great ideas. Kevin, I hope you do them. <laughs> I, I really do. That'd be amazing. Well, I, I'm, I'm working on it. Not that you have any shortage of ideas. Obviously, we haven't even got to some of them yet. Um, and I can't believe we've uh, we've blown through the hour already. Um, Lauren, anything you want to cover before we've got to wrap this up? Um, well, I do have a, I do have a question I have, and it could turn into an idea for a product, but, um, years ago, I know it's, it's kind of, it's something that I came across years ago and I have never come across anything like it. So, um, I was hanging out with some friends at a lake house, like by Lake Tahoe. And, um, some of the guys were firefighters and some of them were hot shots and they were batch cooking for their firehouse. And, they were making, oh goodness, I could potentially butcher this term, but it's called um, pemmican. Oh yeah, and oh, yeah. It, yeah, pemmican. It was a Native American like superfood right. that that the Native Americans used to make, and they would yeah. use dried meat, whether it be like buffalo, elk, or moose, whatever they could get their hands on. So it'd be dried meat, tallow, and dried berries, and they would make these kind of like bars. I mean you know, for their firehouse, you know, made of this stuff. And they had the recipe down to a science and they thought about taking it to market, but they couldn't find a facility that would process the meat. And I think it was so, the fruit in the uh, same, in the same like facility. Right. So Lauren, there and is so a, they never could do it. there is a version of pemmican that doesn't use the fruit. It doesn't taste nearly as good. The fruit really does improve the flavor of pemmican a lot. And the reason um, pemmican has kind of a weird taste without the fruit is it's 50% fat. 
So you're using about 50% yeah. tallow and that tallow just totally kind of covers up all the, the flavor. So putting in a little fruit and a little acid yeah. kind of brings out the flavor, but you're right. The FDA gets weird and, you know, processing meat and fruit together in a bar that technically is shelf stable. The FDA is just weird about this stuff, but there is a product on the market already. There is, because yeah. I've been looking it's, pretty oh, much since what? I came across this, because I thought it's, it was brilliant. It's one of our partners. U- U.S. Wellness Meats <laughs> has has pemmican, with and without fruit. They have pemmican? Yep. Yep, they have a, a plain pemmican, and then they have, I believe they put cherries in theirs. Oh, yum. Okay. Oh, yeah. but anyway, I, if you could find the facility to do it, I think it would be a really popular product. Well, I mean, yeah, we, you know what? We've, um, we've talked about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you guys would be ideal. I mean, you're right there in that market. We just weren't sure that people would be ready for it's, that. It's, you said, like you said, it's a very distinct flavor. It is. It, it's a yeah. lot of fat. And, you know, even I'm certainly not fat phobic. I crave fat, but I will even say sometimes pemmican is a little rough. There's a lot of fat in there. (laughs) (laughs) But you can tinker with the ratios. Yeah, yeah, you can tweak it. It's a good idea. I, I like the idea. Yeah, I think part of the ratio is that's what preserves it. You know, that much fat is is the preservative, really. Uh, and that's what the point of making the pemmican was. It was a way for them to preserve the meat and carry it around when they traveled. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think the closest I've come to it is, have you heard of Tonka bars? Tonka? Yeah. T-O- yeah. 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 It's T-A-N-K-A. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's like the closest I've, I've come to it. And I used to like them. Then I see you eat something, you just get used to it. And it yeah. does no longer kind of does it for you. Um, but that was kind of the closest I ever came to it. But I thought it was a brilliant concept. And I'm hoping someone's going to create it. Because other than, <laughs> I mean, I know that you mentioned um, U.S. Yeah, Wellness. If you, but if, if you want to try it, try U.S. Wellness. Yeah, I'm going to check and, it out. And, Again, because of regulations, it says all over it that it needs to be refrigerated. And and um, we had the owner on uh, of U.S. Wellness, and he said he leaves his on this desk for months. It's it's shelf stable. It's just regulations don't allow you to not refrigerate it. And that's one of the problems, I believe. Okay. Um, Autumn, did you ever get to the point of, of that kind of detail on it? Like regulations on... On no. anything? Okay. No, we didn't. We haven't. Because we're just kind of going, because um, like you said, we just got into pork and we have, you know, chicken and turkey that we're working on and then we'll probably move to something like that. Yeah. <laughs> we're still working our way through the fermented product. It, it, you know, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Isn't it? Isn't it kind of awesome being at the very beginning of a whole industry kind of or a whole movement there? You know, you mentioned all the ideas I have, all the ideas you have. It, it's because there's so much unexplored in this area. It's all so new. It's so exciting, right? Companies that prioritize health 
it's really, yeah, it's just, it is my passion and it, it just, it just feeds me. So yes, I love being, being right where we are, even though it's challenging. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well we're it, grateful for people like you. Yeah. Speaking of the challenges, one more thing, and then we'll let you get on with your day. Um, the other trend, you know, that this trend of the whole weight loss drugs and all that's awful. This other trend I think is just as bad, maybe worse because I think it might spread more the the whole fake meat movement, you know, and I look, I, I get, you know, some people do better with the uh, more of a vegan diet. I think to be truly healthy, you have to have some animal products in your diet. Um, but this idea of, you know, these fake meats that are just everywhere now, they're recreating, now they have fake salmon. Oh, come on. Um, what a horrible idea this is. If you want to be a vegan or a vegetarian, you should still eat just real food. This processed stuff is not good for anybody. I couldn't agree more. And a lot of these companies are using ingredients from conventional agriculture and yeah. genetically modified yeah. ingredients. And what we don't understand is the nutrition labels might look similar but a lot of times the bioavailability of plant-based nutrients is not the same. And the, you know, protein from plant-based sources is not as bioavailable. And so, and also there's hundreds, if not thousands of compounds in a burger that we don't even yet fully exactly. understand. And so, right. no, they're not really they're highly processed foods and exactly people should avoid them. That's, so my opinion. why as human beings, you just touched on something. Why as human beings, do we always feel like wherever we are at the moment, we know everything? It's funny, isn't it? It's, it's the, I there know. Was a time, I feel like that was so different. <laughs> there was a time not that long ago where we didn't know what a vitamin was. We didn't know there was a vitamin in food or there were compounds in food that interacted with our body. We didn't even understand that. So, but now we think, well, we know all that now. Well, no, we don't. What, what it, we don't know what we don't know. Exactly. Yes, it's just a, like beginning of the 1900s and these new metabolomics analyses are really allowing us to see those hundreds and thousands of compounds and um, Dr. Van Vliet at Utah State is doing some fantastic research. And also, I just read this morning, you know, you think that supplemental nutrients are the same. And there's research that suggests nutrients from, you know, beef, vitamin A or zinc and iron, they are reducing our risk of disease, whereas nutrients from supplements don't always. And in some cases, like beta carotene and calcium, oh, yeah. they increase, have been shown to increase our risk of disease. So, yeah, to think that we can you know, isolate and bottle something and, you know, create these ultra processed foods that are then going to act the way that the foods that have literally catalyzed our evolution will act in our body. It's, it's crazy. It's ignorant. The, I believe. the other thing that I, that really bothers me about this movement is how they've hijacked it and, and they're trying to make some of the claims as, as regenerative farming is that this is so much better for our environment because we're not raising all these animals in horrible conditions. And the, the, I agree with them about how we raise animals. I, I totally agree with them. It's horrible. We have to stop it, but that doesn't mean we should stop raising animals. And what they don't want to talk about is how destructive their products are for the environment. 
Exactly. Oh my gosh. So just like, I think Alice Stanton said this, we're not being asked not to drive cars anymore. We're being asked to upgrade our cars, right? So why are we being asked to just stop eating animals when the obvious solution would be to upgrade the way that we're raising them? And this, this system that we have currently, it's very new, right? Back in the 1800s, we were doing things in these more pasture-based systems in a way that's in alignment with nature. And there was a recent analysis, you know, done by Will Harris down at White Oak Pastures, and they looked at the amount of emissions per pound of beef produced. And what they found was on a regenerative farm like his, you actually sequester carbon. It's a net positive for the environment and he said he knew there was a god because his <laughs> system sequestered 2.5 pounds of carbon per pound produced and these plant-based burgers emitted the wow. same 3.5 he said you had to eat one regeneratively raised beef burger in order to offset your emissions from these plant-based burgers so yes some types of animal agriculture are undoubtedly destructive, but that is not the only way to do things. And regenerative agriculture and beef specifically seems to be even more beneficial than these plant-based um, burger solutions. And it's interesting that, you know, beef and uh, primarily beef, if we want to look at the nutritional value of different animals and meat, beef kind of right at the top. Oh, Absolutely. And it's the most maligned. And it's so sad because we look at our worldwide nutrient deficiencies like iron, you know, zinc, uh, vitamin A, you know, beef is an it's, amazing, right. highly bioavailable source of nutrients. And, and, and Ty Beal did mm. some really powerful work where he said, because we have all these crazy food rating systems, right? Like the food compass that gives cereal higher scores than beef and eggs. And it all comes down oh, to yeah. the algorithm, oh, right? Yeah. Like what are they... So Dr. Beal said, what if we prioritize the nutrients that most people are deficient in, in low and middle income countries, and then look at the foods that plug those gaps and fill those nutrient requirements. And it's beef, it's organ meat, <laughs> yeah, it's right. eggs. Nine out of ten top foods are animal products. So yes, you couldn't be more right about that. And I think this this message is really dangerous because we have our young kids. I, I heard they had a club at um, my friend's daughter's school where you couldn't be a part of it if you ate meat. And they were nine. Oh, and I think, oh, wow. Oh, Stinks. that is awful. Bad, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They have these critical and, windows of development, these kids. They don't get the nutrients. You don't make up for that. You know, and yeah. it's also a whole lot more fun to walk around carrying a, a cowboy ribeye by the bone and gnawing on it than it is doing that with celery. <laughs> right? That's true too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole lot more. It, it's the, the cool factor is so much better. Yeah. I mean, we've seen Yellowstone, right? That show. I that's mean, right. That's like, yeah, that's how I grew up. Yeah. Montana. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right. Boy. Um, <laughs> Autumn, we love having you. Can't wait to get you back again. So you're you're going to go read Mycelium Running, and we'll get you back, and we'll talk about it, and we'll talk about who knows what else. Yeah. Um, we, we love having you on, love following all your successes and your new projects. Um, I don't think I mentioned it this morning. Since we have you on, we are doing a special 15% off everything Paleo Valley in the store. So head on over to Let's Truck for that. Uh, looks like we're doing it through Saturday. So head on over. Um, 
Anything else you want to uh, to leave us with today? No, I just think thank you for this opportunity. I absolutely love what you're doing, and you have a really engaged, wonderful um, audience. And so I'm just just glad to be here, and I hope that our products and um, whatever else we get into is somehow helpful for you all. Fantastic. And I, I may uh, I may be calling you some for advice on bringing a product to market. <laughs> Absolutely. we got to right. stick together. That's right. right? Fantastic. <laughs> All right, Lauren, okay. any final thoughts for today? Um, I, think we're, I think I'm good. It was so wonderful having you, and it is such an inspiration to hear your story and that you are, you know, we're so appreciative that you're taking the risks and going out there and creating such amazing products. And I hope that one day we can get one of your restaurants down in Florida because there is nothing like that here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I know my in-laws live down there. It's on the list for sure. Lord. What, one, one more Please. thought, Autumn. I, I know I keep saying I'm going to let you go. And then I have one more thought. Um, you mentioned Expo West and we were just down there for the first time. Um, I was shocked at how little meat there was. And boy, when I found it, man, was I happy. Um, we came across a, a booth right as they were throwing some burgers on the grill and they were giving away like a third of a burger as a sample. And it was all regenerative oh. beef and it was fantastic. But I can't count how many fake meat products and, you know, vegan products there were. Not a whole lot of meat at that show, though. Oh, no, I know. And it's so like, if you think about it, right, this plant-based messaging, right, so many origins, but one of the main ones is this amazing opportunity you have to make a ton of money. Vegan foods, highly processed, right? The profit yeah. is all in the processing. And so the plant-based market is estimated to be like a $160 billion market by 2023, right? So wow. I think, I hope people understand, right? this message out there to help to make you fear meat. It's a marketing message, right? Because if they tell us to fly less and drive less and buy less, right? That's a con economic contraction. Whereas, you know, in Jane Buck's and books, she talks about this. Whereas if you just say eat more of these plant-based foods, you see an, a huge amount of growth in that sector. So I think we just need to be very mindful of where this messaging is coming from. And remember whole foods, that's yes. the ticket. Yes. <laughs> plant-based processed foods. All yeah. right. Autumn, thanks so much. It was a great day today. Love talking to you. Love all your successes. And uh, we want to get you back real soon. Yeah, please have me back and please reach out whenever you need support. I'm here Fantastic. for you. Fantastic. Will, thanks as always. All right, Lauren, we're, uh, we're going to open up the phone lines. Looks like we've got some calls coming in. 855- Nine five zero three eight three five is the number to join us. Um, we'll stay here as long as you've got questions. Ah, Lauren, isn't it crazy what they've got going on over there? Holy cow, where do they find the time? Honestly, I had no idea of all of the different products. I just, I, I actually went to their website just this last week for the first time because I just assumed that it was all about the. Uh, the beef sticks and now the pork sticks. And I was like, I got to check this out. And you know, I went on there and they're just. Like, oh yeah. It, it, we've, we've talked with them over the years on, you know, when they bring, every time they bring a new product out, we look at it. Um, a lot of them we've wanted to get into the store. Sometimes we just can't. Sometimes the margins aren't there. 
And we deal with this a lot. Yeah. You know, Autumn just mentioned that in process, heavily processed foods, the money's all in the processing. In the types of foods mm-hmm. and, and products we're producing, the money's all in the ingredients. And it is just really tough to bring one of these products to margin. For one thing, you are going to be priced well above what your competitors look like. You know, it, there's a ton of beef sticks on the market and a whole bunch of them way cheaper than Paleo Valley. So that that's the first challenge you've got is that people don't understand the difference. And if they just look at price, you don't have a prayer. I mean, you have to educate people on why this product is so much better. And in some of their products, exactly. it, the, the margins are just so tight that they can't wholesale them. They have to, the only way they can sell them is retail on their own site. They just don't have enough margin. Yeah, and I could completely see how that is. I'm just happy we're able to get the the meat sticks in because, goodness, at least it's something. But I, I'm curious to try the, the electrolyte powder she was talking about. That sounds really cool. And they use coconut, um, coconut water for it. And... Also, there is, I think, seaweed in there. So that sounds like a promising one. Yeah. But yeah, the price point is definitely higher than any of the competitors. There's no doubt. Yeah. So it's tough. You know, one of the things I, I didn't get a chance to talk to her about, and I'm sure she has a ton of insight on this, um, we talked about, you know, regenerative farms not having a lot of inputs and the goal being to get to zero inputs. I mean, that that's the goal for my garden. It, it, can I get it to the point where I could go through an entire season and not buy anything? Not not buy anything for the garden at all. Um, that's the goal. I don't know if I'll get there or not. But every year I get a little closer. Um, like I said, between composting, now I finally have a big enough composting operation going on. I don't think I'm going to need to buy any compost this year. Usually I bring in um, four or five yards of it in the spring to get things going. And um, I just started looking through my compost yesterday and it's looking pretty incredible. And I, I may have enough. So this may be the first year I don't have to bring in any compost. Um, and I want to get to the, you know, I still, I just bought a ton of seeds um, yesterday. I, I'm still playing around with different varieties and trying to figure out which varieties are best. And once I do, then I kind of lock down those varieties and start saving the seeds. But I, I'm still buying a lot of seeds because I'm still trying a lot of different um, varieties. The other thing, every year I try to take on one big project in the garden, like two years ago, it was asparagus because um, asparagus is kind of weird. Um, last year it was sweet potatoes. That was a huge success. I just really focused on learning how to grow sweet potatoes. And I had a huge crop, my new project this year. And I didn't realize how big this is. Um, I want to start growing a ton of flowers from seed. I have the greenhouse. I've got everything I need to do it. Um, and Lisa loves flowers. She usually does, you know, huge groups of pots and we do, we buy wine barrels and cut them in half and make planters out of those. We have them all over the neighborhood and all over our yard. And we fill them with flowers every year uh, around the neighborhood. 
We spend a lot of money on flowers. When you buy flats of flowers, it's really expensive. And I started just yesterday, really. I planted my first flowers in the in the greenhouse yesterday. But it's it's weird how different it is from vegetables. It's like a whole new learning curve to do flowers. Yeah, I'm sure. It seems like it's a learning curve for every single type of it is of you know it, thing you put in the ground. It really yeah. is. You, you really, if you want the best results, you have to learn each. You know, growing cabbage is very different from growing strawberries or peas, or you know, it, it they're it's incredible. And maybe that's the the attraction for me. There's always something new to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's exciting. So how is the weather for you right now? The weather's been really weird. So we normally we get very little snow, even in February. I mean, towards the middle or end of February is usually the end of snow for us. We have a really early spring, except this year. Um, We still had snow till just recently. We may get snow again this weekend. And I've got I'm planting stuff. Um, but the, what I'm planting outside right now is cold tolerant. Like I have peas planted. It can snow on peas and it doesn't seem to bother them. So, uh, I think I'm okay with that, but it, it's been a very strange year so far. Now, all of a sudden, um, and that's why I've been out in the garden. We've just had really nice weather, lots of sunshine. We're approaching, you know, the sixties, low sixties. So the soil's starting to warm up. Uh, but I, am. Um, I'm almost maxed out in the greenhouse already. Um, I have a, a one more set of um, lights coming because I have a little bit of space I can still use in there. So that's where I'm going to start all the flowers. Uh, and I'm already starting to plant stuff outside. So last year, I felt like I was rushed every step of the garden all the way to the very end. Like I, I uncovered all my onion plants. I planted like 400 uh, between garlic and onions uh, in the fall last year, I planted like 400 and I was in a hurry. I mean, it was late. I had to get them in. And once you put them in, then you, I just cover them with straw for the winter. I just totally cover the, the whole field with straw. And um, it was a very, very cold winter for us, very unusual. So the garlic and the onions aren't nearly as big as they normally are in the spring. But the other thing I noticed, and I, I remember the day I was planning. I mean, it was late into the season. Um, I had a lot going on. I was trying to clean up the garden and I was really tired. And I'm like, I got to just get one more row in, one more row. I got to finish this planting. And I uncovered it all. Um, I have the most crazy crooked rows and I never do that. But I was in such a hurry. I'm looking at all my onions and I'm like, that's going to make me crazy because they're not straight. But they'll still grow, so I'll get over it. Yeah, they will. But I'm excited about it. I, I, uh, I, I'm really, really early this year. I've got a big head start on everything, so now I can kind of really take my time and focus on you know each individual plant. Whereas last year, it was just like throw everything in the ground and just hope for the best. I, I was just always behind last year. And I still had an incredible harvest. I mean, I've talked about it, all the tomatoes, the peppers, 
Um, what I didn't get a lot oh, of yeah. last year, I didn't get a lot of peas. Um, just couldn't seem to, it was too, the weather was too weird. Peas really like cool weather. So your first crop of spring peas are the absolute best. They're, they're really sweet and tender. Then as it starts to get hotter and hotter, you can still grow peas in hot weather. They just don't get that sweetness. So we didn't get a lot of peas last year and I didn't get a lot of cucumbers last year. So I don't really have, um, I don't really have any pickles from last season at all. I actually still have pickles from two seasons ago that are still good, but I don't have any from last year. So I'm looking forward to uh, not being in such a a rush and always being behind this year. Yeah. (laughs) That will feel really nice. That is a worse feeling. (laughs) Yeah. What do you say we grab some calls? That sounds great. Let's go to Texas. Gary, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. What yeah, I- uh, Monday I was diagnosed with Monday I was diagnosed with SIBO. Mm. So I thought I might call you and talk to you about that. Who diagnosed you? My doctor, which she is a actually she's not a doctor. I don't know what her initials is, but she's functional. Okay. And so, there's, there's been some things I don't agree with that I've learned from you with her, and I kind of ignore that part of it when I'm dealing with her, but she's the one that diagnosed me. Uh, did she? Oh, let me tell you this. Can, Go ahead. I'm sorry. You're breaking up. What test okay, did let me you tell you. diagnose you? What, Lauren? What test did she use to diagnose you? Okay, that's what I'm waiting on. It's not a for sure 100% yet. I'm waiting on a, a breath test to come in the mail, and then I'll do okay. that and send it back to the lab. Oh, yeah. Then she hasn't. I don't think that you can really properly diagnose without a breath test. Now, she's, with everything we talked about, um, she said, you know, of course, she's not sure until the breath test comes back, but she thinks that's what it is okay so when are, are you experiencing a lot of upper gi discomfort like a lot of gas and belching and bloating right after you eat uh yes i am yeah, and that's last the, for about the last two weeks but what yeah that's that's the primary uh, factor that we look for. There are other symptoms, but that's the primary. And and so she's taking the right approach. You have a hypothesis. These symptoms sound like SIBO. Let's test for it, which she's doing. Uh, and then you'll verify or not. Has she told you what her um, approach is going to be if it is SIBO? Uh, not really if it is SIBO. Now, she... Uh told me to go by and get a couple of uh, uh, one of the brand names is Enzymedica and it's called Digest Gold it's an enzyme formula she told me to go ahead and start taking those okay. she also told me to start taking a, a Bilardi a big SACC and so on Bilardi that's a, that's that. a probiotic, right? We have to be a little careful with probiotics yeah. when SIBO is still in existence. 
So, and, and you know, yeah. every practitioner has their own approach. Not everybody does everything the same. So I, I'm not going to criticize or approach, but you do need to be careful using probiotics while you've got SIBO. You can actually exacerbate the problem sometimes. Um, I, oh, yeah. it, it, it sounds like she knows what she's doing. She's doing all the right steps. There are enzymes yeah. that can help this. Um, we're a big believer in Atron Teal. Uh, Atron Teal really does uh, uh, attack this directly. And then, you know, worst case scenarios when Atron Teal doesn't work, um, they now have developed Atron Teal Pro, I think they're calling it, for the really tough cases. Yeah. And can I get or that on your store? Can, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking, Kat, Atron Teal, okay. Evo, for someone who has Bebo and they know they do, maybe Atron Teal, the basic one first, since it doesn't have yeah. the pre and probiotic. Right. And then you switch to the Atron Teal Pro to start incorporating those back in. But I have to say, the, the so far what you're saying about this, this doctor, they seem yeah. to be, they have some sense of what's going on and they're not going straight to an antibiotic which is really good news yes. because if you're right. working with a Enzymedica product line, that's going to, there's like stuff for gut motility, you know, stuff, you know, things of that nature, which is really the thing that you want to be doing working now, on. Yeah. That's motility. another one. I didn't remember the motility, but that one I had to send off for, and that one should be coming in the mail. Yeah, that's good. good. That's a good one. Because yeah. what's going on is you're, you're, you know, things are sluggish in the digestive system, um, which is causing, you know, basically this, this bacteria to move up. And then because things are so sluggish, um, it's moving up into your, you know, small intestines, the, the areas that it shouldn't be. And then that undigested food, because your digestive system is so sluggish, is then getting, it's feeding that bad bacteria. So that is good that she's thinking about motility and getting proper, you know, bacteria in there and things of that nature, but she is going to have to address killing off that bad bacteria. And just one of the things to know, and I, you know, I'm sure she will tell you this if she is a good doctor is that there, you're most likely going to feel really bad before you start feeling better. Yeah. Okay. There's going to be a lot of die-off of bad bacteria, and that's going to cause you to feel pretty bad for a while before it starts. Um, now, when you say when you say bad, does that mean just sort of like what I've been feeling—the cramping—and just don't feel good down around my waist, or is it something it, else? It'll get worse. And you can actually get, get totally different symptoms that you may not even think are this. You may get weird things like headaches. The the die off can yeah, cause like fog. low energy, brain fog, headaches, uh, joint pain. I, I've seen all kinds of weird symptoms from uh, from uh, bacteria. Yeah, I've bacteria. already had joint pain. Yeah, that that's yeah. that could be die off doing that, causing that. Do you just yeah. want to know that that is a possibility? It's more likely that it's going to happen than not. So you just want to stick with the protocol. A lot of people start feeling worse and they think that they're not doing the right thing. That's why I just want you to feel encouraged and know that that means it's working. If you start feeling worse, don't think that, Oh, I'm not doing the right thing. Just know that that's part of the process. Okay. 
Okay, and, and she I did. And I go carnivore. I go carnivore for a while until it's that, that's, that's what I'm going to do. I was looking at a video about this on Dr. Barry, and uh, he said the best thing to do is go strict carnivore. It, it which is. I already do. Yeah. Mostly carnivore, but, yeah, you know, I'm going strict carnivore. Yeah, and, and when there's active symptoms, we're not even very big on fermented foods at that point. Fermented foods can cause some issues yeah. if we're not careful. So we, we really want to clean it up and, you know, stick with primarily just carnivore while you're cleaning it up. Yeah, that's what I'd plan to do. And before I forget this question, you said the fermented foods. That's another thing. I haven't been taking my uh, uh, hot, uh, hot honey. Yeah, it's got I, some sugar I, in it. Yeah, I'd hold off a while. I mean, it's got both sugar and yeah. probiotics that could cause problems. So, yeah, I would skip the hot honey for a while and, too. And my other one, right quick, is Cardio Miracle. Should I lay off that? I don't see anything about Cardio Miracle that would cause an issue with this. Okay. Yeah, because it's powder form, and it, it's, it's not like your your digestive. It's really working right. when you take it. Right. Liquid travels right okay. through, gets absorbed pretty quickly. So we've dealt with a lot of people with uh, SIBO, and we've never dropped uh, Cardio Miracle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, she did prescribe me one pill, and I've just taken three of them. But it, she told me, and she and she said if it was me, and I told her I'm very particular on that kind of stuff. And she said, if it was me, I would take it because, and it really does help my, um, when I go to bed at night, that's when the problem mostly starts. I get up, go to the restroom sometimes every 15 minutes. I mean, it's terrible. And, uh, but she said this, we were down in that area. And, and it really has, when I do take those, it feels really good makes me feel a lot better and what is the name of that the name is uh well i'll go get down here oh it's disoclamine that's a oh, antibiotic. That's an antibiotic. Yeah. You, that's an antibiotic? Yeah. You, uh, you, you will feel better. I didn't know that. Because antibiotics do... Lauren mentioned this earlier. She was glad that the doctor didn't go right to antibiotics, but it sounds like she did. It sounds like she's using a combination oh. of antibiotics and some natural yeah. ideas. But antibiotics will make you feel better because they kill off the bacteria that's our goal and antibiotics do it faster than natural methods do the problem is antibiotics tend to wipe out lots of bacteria even the good stuff that we don't want to wipe out and then the SIBO will almost always come back there is not a good track record of using antibiotics for for um, SIBO there's a good track record in that it works yeah. initially, but it almost always comes back. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe I don't like taking antibiotics anyway. Maybe talk to the doctor and show, maybe, um, I don't know, give her a printout of Autron Teal and say, you know, if I, if you are willing to work with me using these products, I feel like it would be more beneficial 
and just say, I, you know, you've heard of a lot of people having, you know, success utilizing those products over the antibiotics and see what what they say. Rather than an antibiotic, I I would actually introduce something like a, um, a, a fat bomb made from coconut oil, manuka honey, and maybe even add a touch of oil of oregano. And, and mm-hmm. that is a very powerful antimicrobial in and of itself, but it won't wipe out the good bacteria. Yeah. Coconut oil and manuka honey and what else? Uh, a, a little bit of oil of oregano. All right. Now, the oil of oregano is so strong that it can wipe it out. So that's why he's saying to use just a very small amount. Okay. Just because it is that strong. It is can be used like an antibiotic. Okay. It has antibacterial you yes. know, function. Okay. So yeah, I quit taking those antibiotics. I didn't know that's what it was. Yep. Yeah, almost any time. Yep. Um, it's the I-N-E ending, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, that's that's pretty typical of uh, bec- or, uh, antibiotics. Tetracycline. Okay. I mean, you look at a lot of antibiotics, they end in I-N-E. Okay. Okay. So I've got uh, my next, I guess, I guess my next follow-up appointment with her is on the 17th of next month. Okay. So uh, I don't know. I I, I don't know what she's going to do then other than I I don't know. But anyway. Yeah, well, if uh, you can always call and check in with us. And and again, hold on, Lauren, I'll let you jump in. I, I don't. You know, we we don't like to criticize other practitioners, especially if they're natural and they're at least on the right track. She's on the right track on a lot of things here. The the antibiotic is and I know there are natural doctors who still say, no, it works and we'll rebuild the the microbiota afterwards. And if it works for them, great. I I think there are better ways. Right. And I've been listening yeah. to you for a long time, so I, I agree with whatever you're saying. I've learned to trust it. So the only the only thing yeah. that I kind of I'm, one of the things I'm a little concerned about is that you mentioned that she's she's ordering you a an at home um, breath test. I've never heard of an at home breath test. And years ago, I did a SIBO test, and I was at the office there for three hours. So. And that was really? just constant measuring my breath because they want to know exactly at what point you'll start um, reacting to the solution that you're going to drink, which is going to cause the bacteria to start producing the gases. So I'm just, I would, I would look into the breath test. I'm not really, you know, I've never heard of anyone doing an at-home one, but just after how accurate she feels that is, I don't know. I've just never heard of it. Just a thought. Yeah, I'll ask her about that when I on the next point. But, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know I was going to have to drink anything. I don't know. But supposed to be coming in the mail. Yeah. So that this is to find out whether or not you have the specific bacteria um, 
that whole shoot. What's the gas that they produce? Oh, hold on a second. My audio just decided to take a break. Let me try that. There we go. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Lauren. I was just saying, keep us posted because I'm yeah, curious to hear know. how it all goes. Please. Okay, I sure will. Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Wyoming. Eric, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, Lauren. Um, I had a couple things I got to even straighten my head. I haven't called in weeks, and I always get things piled up on me. But, <laughs> there um, you, you were talking about no, no barbecue in Oregon, and you're pretty much right. But you went down I-5 when you went to Los Angeles, and if you stop at the Love's truck stop, it's at exit 238 on I-5, there's like an outdoor food court uh, across the street. Okay. You know, I mean, it's, a, you know, it's like right next to the truck stop. I've, and there's a barbecue place in there. I may have found something better. I'll, I'll check that one out. But um, Harris Ranch, have you ever stopped at that exit? Yeah, I was. I couldn't. I can't remember what exit that is because there's a couple of places down there that have a barbecue place in them. Um, I think Sarah said the other day it was the Koalinga exit. Does that sound right? Because I don't know if I'm thinking of this. several places down there are something or other ranch, but there's one truck stop that's kind of like a long strip mall, and you drive through this one section to go park in the back. And then there's a barbecue place on one end of the building, but it's it's a chain barbecue. It's like Dickie's barbecue or something. Which, oh yeah. I mean, now this is when I, it I, comes I, to barbecue. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say. I'm assuming. It, I was going to say. I don't. I don't argue with people about barbecue because you know, I, you know, Texas barbecue, Tennessee barbecue, See, and a guy the other day was telling me about the difference between. West North Carolina barbecue and East North Carolina barbecue so, has something to do with vinegar. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> no, I, I, I get all those things. I've traveled all over the country, and there's no doubt there I, are I <laughs> there are specific places for certain types of barbecue. Uh, Texas, for me, right. is nobody makes brisket as good as the way they make it in Texas. It, it ribs. Okay. Um, I. My style of ribs is probably different than almost most of the traditional. It's not a St. Louis style. It's not a, you know, Tennessee. It, my rib is kind of my own thing. Um, I like very spicy sauce on ribs with a little bit of sweetness. So like my hot honey barbecue sauce is perfect. As far as how you cook barbecue, I mean, really, everybody does it about the same. The regional differences tend to come down to what type of meat and what type of sauce. But, I mean, good barbecue is good barbecue. Uh, you got to cook the meat right. I have learned that you have to ask for fatty brisket most places. Otherwise, most places will give you brisket that's like, you know, it's just dry as a yeah. bone as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Brisket is the toughest cut to cook in barbecue by far. Pork is easy. Pork shoulders, you know, you can do that with your eyes closed and half your brain tied behind your back. But brisket takes practice. 
Brisket is so when when a barbecue restaurant has good brisket, that's a really good sign. And the Harris Ranch brisket was excellent. Okay, I mean I'll keep that in mind the next time I'm forced to go down there. But because yeah. um, I do like when I can see a barbecue place that I can get a truck in or near, I go there. Yeah, you know, there, some of them I've just been parked on a street, but it was a non-busy street that had room to park on the side or something, you know, but, <clears throat> but yeah, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to food in general, it's pass fail with me. I either like it or I don't. Yeah. Now I can go to a barbecue place and I might like their pulled pork, but don't like their brisket. But other than that, I don't know. Right. You know, one place is a small, uh, it's another trailer style one that's on highway 491 when you're going out of, um, Utah into Colorado and then down into New Mexico. Well, they're just on the side of the road. I think they're on the Colorado side, but I'm not sure. But, you know, they've got really good pulled pork, but their brisket is kind of like they, they, they thinly slice it like it's freaking lunch meat or something. Oh, and yeah. it just has an odd consistency to it. And I'm like, eh, I don't like that. Yeah. But, you know, I stop there and get other things that I do like because I like supporting small businesses like that in addition to it being meat. You know, <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. And like um, I said, here in Oregon, good barbecue is rare. Now, when you were talking about pemmican, I posted a picture. My tags don't work or they work half the time on the app, but the carnivore bar has been around for years. And I thought that was the one you were going to mention when you ended up mentioning the U.S. wellness meats, but have you ever tried the carnivore bar? Because it's basically just fat and meat, and oh, they do no, have a version that you can get with honey. No, I haven't. Um, I, did. I may check that out, though. I think it's just carnivorebar.com or something, but it's if, if you ever watch any of Anthony Chafee's videos, he promotes that one, and so you know a lot of people have heard of it through him, but... I, I found out about it years ago. I carry it with me in the truck. I, I'm not big on the flavor. I will say that, but it is definitely good. Um, you know, you're starving and you got nothing and you got that to grab and get down it, you know, and it would definitely make good, um, like hunting, camping food or survival food and things like that. And it is shelf stable because, it's been on the seat next to me for a couple of years now, and they're still good when I eat one of the bars. So, you know, this but, looks um, like a, a, it's a, I'm looking at it online now. It looks pretty interesting, actually. Okay. That, I, I will say that the flavor of pemmican is challenging the plate flavor and the mouthfeel, even for people who have gone keto and are used to really fatty cuts of meat. It, it's not the same. When you get to pemmican, you're talking about so much fat. They do have kind of a weird mouthfeel, and the flavors are yeah. really kind of muted. I did think it was kind of funny. Was it Lauren that said that it's a superfood? And I'm like, well, I think it's actually a survival food. Like, I mean, when, when the natives were making it, it was something that they would carry in a pouch with them while they were out hunting and it was basically what kept them going when they had no other food you know it's i i thought about oh, yeah. i I've, I've considered off and on trying to take enough time off to go hike the pacific crest trail and i thought about making a pemmican for myself just to, and see if i could just 
eat that and not be carrying a pile of food with me and having to stop every 20 miles to go into one of the places that you send back packages to and all that. Yeah. That whole process sounds like hell to me. You know? No doubt. Pemmican is a much better hiking meal than most of the crap people are carrying with them. Well, I remember, I don't know if you ever heard when Paul Saladino talks about his time, it was long before he was carnivore or anything. And he, he said he got sick of eating peanut butter because that was his thing on the PCT was he always had peanut butter with him. And I was like, man, I, I liked peanut butter and I would get sick of it doing that too. <laughs> yeah. But you know, between, and obviously I wouldn't do peanut butter. I do almond butter and I'd make my own. Um, with a little bit of honey and between pemmican and like an almond butter like that, 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 you know, if you were serious about it and you could do without coffee as well, um, if you went the pemmican route, you could just skip the whole stove. Yeah, true. Um, now I wanted to ask you, when you went to Los Angeles, did you go down I-5 just because you were pressed for time? Why wouldn't you take the eastern route, which is, in my opinion, at least, a nicer drive? It takes you down through Weed. You know, you go down 97. 97. Oh, oh, you mean start way up by Weed and go down. Right. Yeah, it was it, it was mostly... No, no, no. Well, yeah, I mean... Well, the other yeah. option is at Sacramento. No. You can either take... nine. Isn't it 99 that runs east of I-5? No. We're... I'm sorry. We're, we're not... Uh, that's not what I was talking about. I, California... I-5, that's fine. I mean, there's nothing really to look at anywhere else either. I'm talking about going down through Oregon because you're starting over there. Oh, yeah, we could. Uh, well, I know you're only at like exit 44. You could have gone down through Gresham, caught 26, down to Madras and picked up 97. And then 97 yeah, goes all the way to Weed where it, pick, where it goes back into 99. Or I can do even better and I can just head east first and go down through Hood River. Um instead of going into Gresham. Yeah, it's mostly time and weather. The other problem well, is um, we were having bad weather up in all those passes. Or, yeah, okay, okay. Well, no, I mean, that's a reason, yeah. I mean, we even, just, you said when you were coming back up, you got stuck because of the weather on I-5. So sometimes, well, no, even it, if the weather's bad on I-5, the weather on 97 no, is not I, quite as bad. I, I may have misspoke. It wasn't bad weather on I-5. We It was bad weather. We wanted to go up the coast in California, but the bad weather was over. Oh. They were getting pounded um, through that area. So that's why we skipped that. We were going to go to like San Luis Obispo and, and, you know, stop at all of our favorite places up the coast, Big Sur and Monterey. And, but that's where all the really bad weather oh, was. I misunderstood. I thought you, I thought you had said like the path is going up into Oregon on I-5. Well, on so the way like down, Northern California going into Oregon. Yeah. On the way down, <laughs> we stopped at Seven Feathers for the night. That's always our first stop when we leave. I just love that place. It's quiet and it's just a beautiful RV park. Um, but the next morning we got up and the, um, the pass was closed. I mean, we, we had to wait a half a day for the pass to open. Yeah. Cause when I, even when I'm on I five already, cause I live on the Washington coast. So when I'm coming down, I'm always hitting I five if I'm not going straight East. But, um, even when I do that, I'd take 
Highway 58 over to 97 and then back down to I-5. And, you know, the mileage is practically the same, and there's a hell of a yeah. lot less traffic most of the time. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, the, the weather is the weather. You know, they're That's, both mountains, you know, both ways. But it's actually smoother out in the 97 end of things. There's, like, one big hill, whereas going down I-5, it's small pass after small pass after small pass. It's like, God damn. Yeah. Plus, uh, I-5 uh, is all cities, too. Almost you know? everything we're doing now in the company is where it's just based on time. We're just really pushed yeah. for time on everything we've got going on. We could use probably three more employees. Thought- it's just not a good time to be hiring people <laughs> right now. I was going to say, I wish I could figure out how to work for you and live on the Washington coast still. Yeah, we're we're getting. I'm tired of driving truck myself. Yeah, <laughs> when we try to hire people, we get really poor quality, and everybody oh. wants a lot of money. Yeah, well, that too. But um, what was I gonna? Oh, I was thinking that maybe you'd gone down I five too because you'd stopped in Junction City to check out your coach or something. Well, that was that where it's at. That yeah, that was a big part of heading that oh. way. Was we needed to stop and get some things figured out with the coach, which we did. But then even so, sometimes if, if you ever have time when you're on the drive again, you know, you go down, you, you go south of there, because I think 58 comes into I-5 north of Medford. I don't, I, without looking at a map, I'd have to, Sounds you know, about but right. 58 yeah. goes, goes east. Actually, you know, I'm sitting up and grab it to Oregon. But um, no, it's, it also depends on what time of year. Uh, oh, actually, no, it comes in just south of Eugene. Okay. Yeah. The so, other, um, yeah. The, the so other, just south of Eugene, which is just south of Duncan City. Yeah, the other thing about traveling when we're worried about those kind of temperatures, especially when we're in the Sprinter, um, the Sprinter is not winterized in the way the coach is. The coach can handle some pretty cold temperatures without worrying about plumbing freezing. But on the Sprinter... If it's oh. going to be 30 or below, I've got to winterize it. So I've got to drain out all the water out of all yeah, the systems. I've got to get, you know, propylene glycol in there. And then when you want to use the water systems again, I got to reverse that process. And unfortunately, on this trip, right. we, were, we were just in temperatures in the 20s. Yeah, I didn't realize your sprinter was actually set up as a camper. For some reason, I thought it was just kind of like a, a work van that, um, Lisa no, drove, a, drove once in a while instead of being in, with you and the coach. No, it's a pleasure way full RV conversion. It's got a shower in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, one of the things I meant to say a while back but I never got a chance to call in was when you said you weren't going to Louisville, I was like, well, then you're also not going to Polyface Farms again. Nope. You, <laughs> nope. You were going to try to make it over there again. Well, and I, if, you know, if I was going to make it to Polyface Farms, I would have stopped in for uh, Sally Norton lives there and um, Gay, not Gay Brown, but um, uh, Forrest Pritchard is right there. So I had talked to all of them about stopping in, but it's not going to happen this year. Um, I'm pretty well in the Pacific Northwest for the rest of the summer, I think. Oh, you don't even have any more trips? Okay. I don't want to plan it. Yeah, that's right. You were I, talking I, about... Yeah, I don't like trying to take a vacation. 
yeah, I need a vacation. That's that's got to happen here soon. And I know it's going to piss a lot of people off, but I'm not going to record anything before the vacation because that's the problem. I don't have time trying to record enough for a week. And I may even take two. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to figure it out right now, but uh, I, I need some time off. I need to reset. And then I'm going to come back in and, and, and during the vacation, I will work on some work-related stuff, but it will be when I want to, and it will be creating the plan to prioritize the project projects and finish them. I keep bouncing back and forth from these projects, and I can't figure out how to finish them. And I, I think I just need to get away from everything for a while. So it's possible. There may when you were be talking a, about it, I was... There may be a two-week stretch coming with no new shows. Oh, I was under the impression you were actually going to try to do some shows and just not I, do anything else. I, I thought about it. But the reverse like, of what you just described. <laughs> I know. I thought about it, but what, what I realized is it it's the show that puts all the pressure and stress. It, you know, I've got to watch the news. I've got to okay. be paying attention to what's going on. Oh, Speaking of which, I'm glad this topic came up. Lauren, I was going to mention this when we had um, Autumn on with us. All of a sudden, did anybody else see in the news the, the fear about the fungi spreading around the hospitals in the country? Yeah. Yes, I definitely did. So I wonder if any of my regular listeners recognized that. I was talking about C. Oris back in 2016. This is not new. I talked a lot about this long before COVID. Um, I mentioned that I track these kinds of outbreaks around the world because I, I am worried. I, I do believe that one of the ways this world could either end or really be severely infected is going to be some sort of a superbug. I, I don't think it's a matter of if it's going to happen. It's when it's going to happen. So I've been watching this stuff for years. I don't know why all of a sudden they're making a big deal about this. Like I said, we, we had the first case in the U.S. back in 2016. Now, there are lots of strains of candida. Candida is a fungus, and there are many strains. We all have candida in our body, um, candida can get out of control and cause urinary tract infections and uh, lots of other infections of, of this overgrowth of a, of a fungi. C. oris or candida oris is, here's what they're scaring people with. It is potentially 60% deadly. Now compare that to covid that we shut down the world over COVID. COVID is not even 1% deadly. Not even one. It's a percentage of one when you look at the, the lethality of COVID. This is 60%, 6,000 times more deadly than COVID. That's what they're scaring everybody with. And this is another intestinal thing, like or like the other kind of candida. It's in your guts. It can be anywhere in your body. We can get candida in our urinary oh. tract. It can, when it becomes deadly, it will actually end up in the blood. It becomes a blood infection, and the body becomes septic, and you die. I mean, that's how it kills you. 
and it is up to 60 percent. But it it lives on walls and surfaces in long term care facilities, hospitals, nursing homes, and they can't get rid of it. They can't kill this. It is becoming very um, drug resistant right now. It's only really killing people who are in these long-term care facilities, and it's only killing the people who are very immunocompromised. I mean, you could pick up, you and I could pick up Candida auris, and we wouldn't even know we had it. But if you're very immunocompromised, it can kill you, and it is killing people. Um, Just to give people numbers, so again, I don't understand why they're making such a big deal about this. In 2020, we had about 800 cases around the country. Cases, not deaths. Now, a a good part of those people did die because it is highly deadly. Um, In 2022, is that the new numbers we just got out? I think um, we did jump up to 2,100 cases. So there was a big increase in a couple of years, but this is not scary for the general population. We, we do keep an eye on it so it doesn't start mutating. If it starts to mutate, that could be a problem. But I, I, I'm just, I'm, I, I don't know why they're making such a big deal about this right now. Yeah. No <laughs> All right, I'm out. Thanks, Kevin. All right, we're going to, Grab another call. This is our final call on the board. So if you want to jump in before we sneak out of here, you need to do it now. 855-950-3835. We're going to go to Texas. Fred, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Lauren. Hello. What's on your mind today? Uh, Did you see, happen to grab that uh, interview that Mark Hyman just did with Tucker Carlson for like an hour long? No. no. Oh, it just came out on 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 Fox Nation. It is magnificent. It oh, is magnificent. I need to go watch he, that. I'm telling you, yeah. you know, what the crazy thing is, what I never knew, and I, I guess I never really realized, you know how he got to the Cleveland Clinic and how he started the functional medicine program? I, I read the book, but I don't remember reading about that. Well, he was at a health conference, and he went to dinner, and one of the guys at the table was the owner of the, cle- of the hospital. Oh, okay. And, and, he, and he just blurted out in the middle of conversation. Uh, he said, I'd love to come to your hospital and, 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 uh, and take care of, get, get uh, all the patients healthy and, and reduce your heart surgeries by 50%. And, it, and the guy, and he said he thought the guy was going to like flip out because he's about money and everything. But the guy was like, come on over. And, <laughs> wow. and they had these long wow. discussions and he finally made, he finally gave Mark the money that he, that he couldn't refuse. And, but Mark said to him, Hey, listen, I'm going to do a lot of stuff here and I need someone to run cover. He says, I got your back a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm going to go watch that. That sounds like a good story. Hey, I just, I just remembered something else I was supposed to talk about today. Um, Lauren, did you see the two new products were released today? Yes, I did. Very cool. So, Fred, you have the uh, My High Sauna, right? 
Yes, I, oh, the, the back thing, right? The, the back wrap and the weighted heating pad. They're both very cool. And remember, these are infrared products. So not only are they just, you know, nice for comfort and relief, they're healthy. I mean, these things rebuild cells and they're yeah. good for our telomeres. And the back wrap is really nice for driving, actually. Um, it's a big, wide belt kind of thing. It's got the strongest Velcro I've ever seen. My God, you get that thing on, it almost takes two people to get it back off. Um, but it's, it's uh, battery powered. So it's totally cordless and it gets really nice and hot. And like I said, it's a big wide back wrap. So to put it on and drive is really nice. And then the, go ahead. Oh, is is it um, like a rechargeable battery or you have to buy batteries? Oh no. Yeah. Just plug it into USB-C and it recharges and, um, I don't know how long the charge lasts, but I've never had it die like before I was done. I mean, I've, I always get plenty of time right. to have it on and it's still got battery. Um, and then the other right. one, and this one is not cordless. This one is plugged into the wall. It is a heating pad. But the interesting thing is, have you seen the heavy blankets, the weighted blankets? I have. They made their heating pad weighted like that. I I can't believe I haven't seen this before because it works about 10 times better than a traditional heating pad. I bet. Hmm. That weight does make a big difference. The weight is incredible. When you lay this thing on your body, it like molds right around that spot and the weight feels good and then the heat really penetrates all the way around. They're, they're really nice. And again, remember, these are infrared, so um, there's actually healing properties here. Yeah. You know, he, um, on that interview, Mark Hyman said that uh, Ozempic, that they're pushing right now yeah. for weight loss, mm-hmm. um, he said that the, the, medic, the Medicare system is $145 billion in government spending. If they just took the obese people on the Medicaid, Medicare, and put them on Ozempic, it would be $220 billion alone. Oh, unbelievable. Why do you think, we're, why do you think every other commercial is about Ozempic? Unbelievable. There's a, so there's yeah. Ozempic. Yeah. There's Wagovi, which oh, is made yeah. by the same That's company. That's the same thing. That's and the same thing. Right, That's the same exact thing, just different names, he said. Well, no, it's not. It's higher potency. Okay. It's not the same okay. thing. Is that it's what the it is? same okay. drug. Okay. It's a higher potency right. of that drug, so it's more toxic. And that's the one that they uh, have approved for weight loss alone. That's the only reason Wagovi yeah. exists. Wagovi is not a diabetic right. drug. Right. They developed Wagovi just no, no, for weight loss. Said. And then there's a, thir- there's a third one that's in the approval process right now. To- totally different company. Wow. Well, he said that the average weight loss with Ozempic, which was only is kind of a side effect, so, so to speak, of the diabetic medication, was about 12% and of your body weight. Right. Uh, and he said, as soon as you're off it, you go right back. You and, go get, right and, back. and gain more. 65%. And, and gain more weight. 65% so, of people that, that got off it went, went, gained more weight than what they were on it, he said. So 
best case scenario that I've seen is 20% weight loss, 20% of body weight. And so I'll be generous and I'll use that. Let's talk about the 400 pound people we've dealt with many, many times here on the show and have helped them lose, you know, 200 pounds or more. Um, Right. 20% for, let's just use a 300 pounder even, 20%, um, that's only 60 pounds. I know 60 pounds is a lot. Well, that's basically that, what that, I did. That does what I did. Right. And, and you did it with no drugs. And for, for the I most- I did it with not even walking an extra step. Yeah, exactly. Right. So <laughs> it, this isn't getting people to be completely lean. And when you do stop, it- it comes back and it comes back more even. This is one of well, the worst ideas I've ever seen. And I can't believe there's so much conversation about it as though it's a good thing. Yeah. Well, he, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't go oh. crazy. <laughs> he, you know, as far as, you know, the mainstream with the mainstream things, but he, he said a couple of things that really, really resonated with me. He says, we don't have a, a loss of, of, of osempic in our body. Of course we're not. not deficient in osempic. Right. We're not deficient in static sense. He said, we're not deficient in any of these things. He said, he said, um, I, you can lose weight just by dietary changes. And, and Carlson was blown away by everything he was saying. He was really interested. It was really good. And he also said another thing. Um, Oh, I lost my train of thought, but he said, um, I don't, I, I'll think about it, but that, I mean, it was just great. All the medications they were going through, he says, no one has a deficiency in these medications. Not that's, that's why you have heart disease. He said, we don't have heart disease because we're deficient in statins. Yeah, exactly. Said, you, know, you know, that's really, um, really good. Really that, good. That's something that Dr. Wolfson's been saying forever. I mean, that's always been his right. kind of message. You are not deficient in pharmaceuticals. And then pharmaceuticals are not the answer. Do you know one of the reasons people lose weight on this drug? They don't talk about this much. There is the impact that it slows down some digestion, which isn't necessarily a good thing. It slows down empty of, of the stomach, so you stay satisfied a little longer. Um, but a, one of the big reasons people lose weight one of the really common side effects is horrendous nausea. Well, yeah, he made a he made a point that it slows down your metabolism. So then, when you get off it, your metabolism is slow, and you go back to eating normal, and that's why you gain all the weight. Yeah, it's, and um, another it's, thing, another thing he highlighted was that no doctor is is uh is trained on nutrition he says we have a we have a food a food system that that doesn't aim on health and a health system that doesn't aim itself on food yeah, exactly. he said it's starting to change in 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 a few areas he mentioned um the brain energy book and that doctor about harvard has a program now a culinary program. He said, uh, we're, we're, we developed a culinary program for doctors at the Cleveland clinic. He said that we're teaching them how to treat people. He said, we've, we've come to go to a head doctor for a headache, the stomach doctor for a stomach ache, the, the eye doctor for, he says, all of these systems are all connected. Well, exactly. 
Yeah. And, it, every, it, right. and everything starts with diet, he said. Everything starts with diet. Really, really awesome, really awesome interview. It, it, it's good to see that kind of talk on such a popular mainstream show. Definitely. Well, he has the. He also has the ear of the director of the uh, not the director, but the uh, the NIH. He's talking to people in the NIH. He's because he has such mainstream credibility coming from the Cleveland Clinic. He has. He's trying to work with with policy, and he said it's it it takes so long to try to change things to implement board certified doctors that have to know about nutrition. They have to to, te- to, to, to to pass their boards. He's working on that aspect of this. And he said it's just going to be incremental. It's going to take time. He said, look, he said it took 100 years with, with slavery. We were, you know, 1865 and 1968 is when they signed all the, you know, yeah. all the, the, the civil rights. You know, he said, so he said it takes a while. It's like a, it's like a big ship turning. It takes a while for government to do things. But he said... We have, I have people on both sides of the aisle listening to me. It's awesome. You know, you know, I, I, it's promising. Yeah. I'll take a minute to say, you know, I, I, I believe in the power of gratitude and I'm very grateful for, you know, a lot of things that have happened to me in life, but there aren't many things that I can look back on my life that I am as grateful for as what I've learned about health. I, I, I can't think oh, of, of yeah. many things that I'm that grateful for. I, and I think about it a lot. You know, you look around, you see people sick, people constantly going to doctors, people on a new drug, people talking about all their health problems. I mean, it is so rampant. And, and I just take a step yep. back and think, God, I'm so grateful I figured this out. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I'm grateful that I that I found you just with trucking at nights and weekends and then Kim pushed you into this whole thing. And I, I'm, I'm one of those guys that listen and I'll try anything once. And when I saw the results and then I got serious on it, it just, the weight just peeled off me. And it's really amazing how fast it happens. Um, It's incredible how easy it is. is Amazing. You know, it it is really, and I'm looking forward to Lawrence. I'm looking forward to Lauren today with the nutrient dense keto. I, I wanna. I'm gonna listen in just to refresh my memory and to see what new things she may come to the table with. What do you think, Lauren? Yeah, I mean it's an overview and it's 30 minutes, so I'll fit as much as I can. But I will at the end include tips, you know, which I think is going to be the most beneficial for those who are already exploring the keto diet and things of that nature. Awesome, awesome. Oh, uh, another interview I watched yeah. last night. Um, Kevin is this actually the guy who was a wall street guy and he's a numbers guy. And he, he predicts trends. And when he lives in Hawaii and when they, he, they came out with this vaccine, warp speed kind of raised his ears in the alarm. He went through data. It's another interview on Tucker Carlson today, sudden deaths it's called. And the data that he went through on the insurance and the, and the funeral homes, um, just he says this is vaccine. There's no other explanation for it. It's really, really good. I, and that's another one that you should take time and watch. Yeah, I will. I, I, I'm so frustrated with that topic 
It, it there's so so much clear evidence, and I can't believe they can still maintain the cover up the way they are. Well, yeah, he said once the lockdowns came, he said no more, and unfortunately, he couldn't talk his ex-wife and his children not to have the vaccine, but they only had one dose and they stopped. Oh, but now he wrote a book. Uh, he has a I, book out there. I forgot his name. I read Ryan something Sumatrava. by this guy just this week. I read an article by him. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. He's been, he's been, he as is all self-funded. He's been really, he, he's like, we're the watchdogs that's watching the watchdogs. He said, there is no conversation about this. And he said, there is trends happening that the millennials are dying and it's actually the work working millennials more so than the people that are home. It's crazy. That's where the, that's where the, uh, that's why everyone is, 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 uh, scrambling for workers. Cause that's the age group, the 25 to 50, 25 to 45, 50. He says that millennials, um, that are, that are losing their life and getting sick. Uh, he had statistics in there that blow your mind. The disability statistics, um, most of these Fortune 500 companies is kind of like you're in your healthcare. They give this. It's a really good market for the insurance companies to offer disability insurance. No one in 25 to 45 ever cashes in on it. You know, theoretic, theoretically, they had studies on this back in 2016. What a great product to make money on, and they had a 40% rise in debts and I think a 60% rise in disability claims in that age group. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really scary. Um, I know I've been talking about this a lot and I'm not sure what's going to happen with this guy, but have you watched anything um, Vivek Ramaswamy is doing? Oh yeah. He's, he is actually putting, he's trying to put everyone the task to decouple with China now. He's come out strongly on this. I, he's trying to get all the Republican candidates to, to sign to sign an agreement that they're going to start decoupling from China. You know, I, I, I think everybody that listens knows my thoughts on Trump. I'm not going to beat that dead horse. I, I, I've praised him for a lot of things, his policies, um, also for how hard he works. He worked hard. You know, people talk, oh, no, he was always golfing and... I, they, they say that about every president. They, they took hey, well, many. Well, Biden, well, Biden got up before nine because of the yeah. banking crisis. Don't knock Biden. No, I wasn't. I was just saying that uh, Trump <laughs> Trump worked hard. I Vivek Ramaswamy is doubling the amount of work that Trump did. I, I have never seen anybody work so hard and come out clearly this early on exactly what his policies are. Yep. It's refreshing. Yep. I didn't realize he was a, a nationally ranked tennis player. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I heard something about this. I have to look into it. I heard someone talking about him, and, and they said he was a national in, in college. He was a nationally ranked tennis player, I think. Wow. I am really impressed. I like this guy a lot. I mean, I call him a kid because I'm older he than looks him. But I don't young. mean it. Yeah, he looks really young. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very impressive, though. Very impressive. No, I agree. I agree. And uh, I don't know what I don't know where where that's going to go as far as politically. I mean, because of the, you know, he came out 
and on, I think it was, he was on Stuart Varney's show. And it was right after they had that, that conference. I don't know if it's in Florida. It's uh, the, the conservative conference. And he said, you didn't, you didn't place on the, on the top five or 10. And he says, yeah, because I wouldn't pay to get my name placed on there. And he said, what are you talking about? He says, they, he had people from a CPAC. Right. CPAC, they call it. Yep. He had people calling his campaign up saying, if you donate, if you give us a couple hundred thousand dollars, we'll make sure you're in the top five on that list. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and right now it's, it's, you know, kind of a slugfest between Trump and DeSantis. And now we have the issue is Trump going to get arrested. And if he does, there are people uh, predicting that it's the best thing that could happen to him for a presidential run. That if he gets arrested, yeah. he may win this in a landslide. Well, you know, there's a lot of people that 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 look at everything that's happened to the guy, all all everything that we that we known the Russia, the Ukraine, uh, everything that every they throw they threw the kitchen table, the kitchen sink, the whole house at this guy, and nothing ever came of it. So, and every time that they said they had something, I was like, okay, they, they got this guy with his hands in the cookie jar. Let's see what they got. Because I'm not, I'm not a light, you know, I'm not a, a Trump or die guy. I like the guy. I, I like, you know, I, I can deal with his, 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 his tweets and all that stuff. I kind of, I kind of laugh so, at it. Um, so here's yeah. the thing. I, I, you know, I wasn't really paying much attention to what's going on with Trump in the election. I could care less. It's way too far away. I, I'm tired of hearing about it. There's way too much focus on Trump, primarily from the left. I mean, they just won't let it go. But I, I wonder if anybody right. is really paying attention to what's happening this time. Do, do they really understand what's happening this week? This idea that he may be arrested and put in handcuffs. Do, does the average American have a clue I, what's happening here? Because it's so well. Wrong. You know what it is. The average American, the average American, just hears the narrative that the left wing media is pushing, and they don't get the facts. They don't even. Well, you know, it's like you know, people let's talk about the, the headlines and they don't even Let, look into. Let's yeah, talk I about know, the facts. Right? We. The the he's going to be arrested for paying Stormy Daniels one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. That's what he's being arrested for. Right. It's not a crime. Right. No. Paying somebody to be quiet and not talk about something is not a crime. It happens all the time. I'm probably I think I'm still under three nondisclosure agreements right now. Things I can't talk about. And those were part of deals that I negotiated right. with with vendors or partners or whoever. I, I can't talk about certain right. things that and and in a sense, I'm paid for that. It, it was part of the negotiation of our deals. This is not illegal. Right. So there's the first part. Nobody prosecutes anybody for this. Now, they're making some crazy claim that. In New York, we're talking about a state law now. In New York, there is a business rule that, but it's a misdemeanor. So why in the world would we allow some local DA, this guy's a nobody in the legal world. He's a nobody. He's a local DA in a borough of New York. 
and we're going to allow him to go prosecute a, a, a president for a crime that didn't even exist. The, the hush money is not a federal crime. It is a weird state law, but it's a misdemeanor. And he's figured out a way to make it a, um, a, a felony. This is such well, a no, stretch. See, now, and, I'm going to tell, tell you what I've heard. One more point. Okay. On all of it, right. even yep. if it, even if he can make it a law, if he can make it fit this crazy New York law, and if he can make that become a felony, we are past the statute of limitations on this. Correct. There is Correct. so many things so many, wrong yeah, with yeah. this story, and I can't believe... The average American is just hearing, oh, he's going to get arrested. He's going to get put in handcuffs. This is a travesty. This should not happen. Right. So where where you got it a little a little bit off is that what he's what they're doing is it's, it's about the Stormy Daniels money. But what they're doing is they're saying that he used business funds to pay back his lawyer for the reimbursement of that money. And that and he didn't report it right. So that's okay. that's the statute they're using to get him. And, and then what they're doing is they're taking they're taking a campaign finance rule that the campaign finance the 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 people that oversee that already dove into this and, and said, said it there's wasn't no even, it, correct. they didn't even prosecute him. Correct. There's no crime. So, here. so, so now, he's trying to use both of those to make it a felony. It, now the statute of limitation on the business on the reimbursement is two years. And if he gets, if he combines both of them, it's five years total. And so, that happened seven years ago, it, I think, or eight years ago. Right. So, so all of this is a total travesty. This is not legitimate yeah. in any stretch of the imagination. And yet the average American thinks that, you know, this is a legitimate case. It's not. It's not even close to yep. being a legitimate case. And I can't yep. believe they're allowing it to go forward. Yeah. Well, this is what happens when you have people who use hate it, and emotion. I, and New, but, I mean, they, New York is letting the whole time. New, New York is letting murderers and rapists out. And minimizing well, their the senses or dropping their senses. And here, here's what we really have. This is this is what I, I, I don't know how you get the American people to understand this. Trump right now is the leading candidate in the Republican Party to become president. The Democratic Party is taking him out. That that right. that is the end so, of our republic. You can't allow that to happen. Right. This is what we talk about. This is what goes on in Ukraine. This is why we should not be supporting yep. Ukraine, because they are not a democracy. They use the government to take out the opposing parties. That is not a democracy. Yep. And that is what is happening to well, our yeah. country right now. Correct. Now, what 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 people have to understand is this is fact. This is on the books. Alvin Bragg is the DA's name. He's taken 52 percent of the charged felonies that these people were caught in New York, in New York city with a caught doing a felony, whether it's robbing, raping, murdering, whatever, whatever the, 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 the charge is, 52% of all of those, all of those felony charges, he's dropped down to misdemeanors or let them walk. Right. 
And this one here and, is a misdemeanor. He's he's and, elevating to a felony. And let's let's also make the comparison that all these felonies that got dropped to misdemeanors are people with multiple records. Years of Oh yes, of, these are all repeat uh, offenders. And repeat in the offenders, other yes. case, we're talking about a former president. Come on. It, the whole thing is yeah. so bad. Yeah, and I'm I'm really shocked that uh, the Biden White House and the Department of Justice is going to let this happen. I I, I know. And I, you know, it's, this is this is this is this is about the rule of law, and you can hate Donald Trump. You don't have you, there's nothing about the guy that is appealing to most people. But you know what? This is not about Donald Trump. It's about you, me, and anyone else that they Correct. that they find. Correct. Yeah, that that they want. And I'll tell you, it's, it's you know, we used to be we used to be able to say you're innocent until proven guilty. Well, that's still and the case if you're a you're, Democrat. Now, well, I, it's, it's, yeah, it's still the case if you're an if you're an elite, I think. Yeah. If you're part yeah. of the, if you're part Although, of the, the program. Now it, I mean, look at BLM. Come on. There should be so many convictions in that group and there's none. Right. And, and, and people like our vice president actively campaign to raise money for their bail. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a screwy place. Screwy place we're at in this country right now. It's scary. That's for sure. All right, Fred, we're going to cut you loose. We're going to wrap this up for the day. Lauren, anything you want to close with? What have you got going on today? We talked a little bit about it. Give everybody the details. Yeah, so today at 3 p.m. Eastern time, I will be doing a after-hours live Q&A, and we're going to talk about the keto diet. So like I mentioned, for those of you who already know about the keto diet, which is I, I realize it's a lot of people, that listen to the show. Um, I will also mention some tips and things that, you know, are good reminders to help you get through it. So go ahead and have a listen. That's 3 p.m. today um, on, uh, sorry, it's going to be on uh, Healthy, Healthy Tribe. And then we'll also post it on Facebook. Yes. Excellent. All right. Anything else you want to close with today? No, I think that pretty much covers it. It was a great show. Very, very nice um, virtually meeting Autumn and talking about all the good things that they have going on over there. Boy, they, so got, much a, they got a lot going on. About. I know. Yeah. <laughs> their plate is full. I don't That's know how, sure. how they do it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good Inspiring. stuff. All right. We're going to wrap this up. We'll have a free for all tomorrow. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on Friday yet. I'll let you know. Um, don't forget, head on over to the website, letstruck.com, 15% off all of the Paleo Valley uh, sticks, beef sticks. And if you haven't tried the maple bacon pork sticks, you've got to try those. They're incredible. Um, I have a feeling we'll probably sell out of those today, so you better go grab those. Also, while you're there, check out the two new products from MyHi, um, the cordless back wrap which is awesome, infrared therapy, and the corded uh, weighted heating pad. Both of them work great in the truck. Um, really nice stuff. All right, we will see you tomorrow. Be safe, 
be profitable, be fit and healthy, always do the hard work and master the journey.